Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by Drip Shop Live. Shop live streams of sports cards from your favorite sellers right from your phone or computer. Giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. That means anything Drew wants to talk about. That is in his contract, a whole lot more. More more with Drew Pelto, we should call it. (laughs) <laughs> you are listening to TTM Cast. It's season four, episode 50. We're almost completed our fourth season. It is the weekend of December 17th. A, ha- a happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends out there. Everyone's getting ready for Christmas. Kwanzaa, you're listening to the nationally ranked sports podcast hosted by me, Jeff Baker from Boston, Massachusetts. And we're talking with my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here as always. Drew, you've been real busy posting a lot of stuff on YouTube. Why don't you let, let people know how they can follow you? Of course, if you just go to youtube.com slash DFWGrapher. That has all of my stuff. I usually have been posting a video every month. I'm probably going to go back to my weekly format once we get into 2023. So new video every week whenever I get anything, any TTMs or in-person graphing done. Uh, you can also find me on my website, dfwgrapher.com. You can find links to my Instagram, Twitter, what else? Uh, Hive, Mastodon. I haven't used those much yet, but I've signed up on both at least just in case Twitter craps out. So yeah, find me there. DFWGrapher.com links to everything else that I do. There Drew well. is a content creator, guys. Follow him on social media. He, he always posts good stuff. Drew, why don't you let people know about our radio show, which is going strong. Of course. You can find that on the Sports Map Radio Network. We're called Sports Collectors Club. You can find more about our show at SportsCollectorsClub.com, including all of our past episodes. We air live on uh, the Sports Map Network on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. That's Eastern time on both of those. If you don't have a Sports Map affiliate in your area, then just go and check out your uh, local app store there on your phone. You can download the uh, Sports Map Radio app just that way. Very good. Thank you, Drew. Hey, uh, collecting wise, not I've kind of had a quiet week. I picked up two uh, absolute football blaster boxes from Target online, so I've got those coming. Um, I think the calm before the storm, my wife kind of put the kibosh and said, okay, stop buying cards. Cause I think she's, she's getting, might be getting me something for Christmas, you know? Ah, nice. <laughs> so I've been, I've been kind of quiet on the, on the card front. How about you? I uh, did pretty well as we had some purchases come in and also uh, did some in-person graphing as well. But a uh, quick recap on the purchases. I've just been, you know, continuing on getting some more of those hall of famer rookie cards I can mail out and get signed. So, uh, I got my Rod Langway rookie card in this week. Uh, I've got one of my two Rob Blake rookie cards I've been waiting on. A non-Hall of Famer, but who does a lot of private signings at affordable prices, Jose Canseco picked up all four of his uh, 1986 rookie cards. Uh, grabbed some signed uh, Top Surge Miners cards I was needing. I'm now up to 91 out of 220 for that set. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, the big one that I mentioned on the radio show there, and uh, I'll mention here too, was the uh, 1986 Fleer, Corey Snyder and Cecil Fielder dual rookie card. So about a week ago, uh, Jeff, you had messaged me and said, hey, there's a signing going on with uh, Snyder through uh, Mike McGuire. 
And they said, you know, they had a whole bunch of his, I think it was 87 tops, 86 Don Russ, 86 Don Russ rookies, and his 89 Diamond Kings. And Snyder was signing them for $9, including uh, shipping costs, including, I mean, they had the cards themselves sitting there, so you didn't even have to send them in or anything like that. It all went to some, I think, like kind of a, like an animal rescue charity or something like that. And I didn't really need any of those, but I mailed out his 86 Fleer to him when he was still coaching with uh, the uh, Northern Colorado Owls. And literally like a week or two after I mailed it, he got fired. And I'm like, oh, crap, I may have just lost that one. So I reached out to Mike and I said, look, this is what happened. This is what I need. And he says, yeah, I talked to Corey. He's got two of them here, 25 each. I'm like, done. We will gladly grab one of those because it was signed by both Snyder and Fielder. And I would have spent at least 25 to get all that done. Because, I mean, it cost me at least five bucks to be able to get the card in that good of condition. It cost me, you know, $1.25 or whatever to mail it to Snyder and back if he's even signing free, which he might not be anymore. It would cost me probably 15 to mail it off to a uh, uh, fielder private signing. And then plus, you know, the postage each way on that one. I would have probably been out 30, 40 bucks to do it all there. So it's like 25. Yeah, we'll gladly do that. So landed that one for the collection and uh, yeah, did a little bit of in-person graphing as well. The Rangers had their toy drive this week. Uh, yeah, how'd you do at the, at the toy drive? I, I know you posted some stuff on social media. It was good. Um, yeah, I had some issues with how they run it though. I mean, that's just this, oh God, I've, the Rangers could screw up anything. I mean, my <laughs> God, that's that's why they make all these big signs. I'm like, okay, yeah, guys, that's cool. Yeah, I'll see how that goes for you. So I'll get into that here in a minute. But uh, quick rundown of the players I was able to get. Uh, Steve Bouchel signed three cards. I got John Gray on one card for my Heritage set. Uh, Jonathan Hernandez, I'll get to his in a moment here as well, but he signed one. Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and do it right now. That is not him on the front of his card. Oh, who is it? It's Taylor Guerreri, who's on okay. the front of it. And so, yeah, Hernandez wasn't signed the front, but he signed the back of it. So I put a tweet out to Guerreri and said, hey, uh, this is you on the front of this card. Would you mind signing the front of it there? And I haven't heard anything back there yet. So hopefully I will at some point. He doesn't seem to be too active on Twitter, though, so we'll see. But uh, Spencer Howard, I got him on three cards. So he, all three of his heritage cards. So got those all knocked out. Uh, Mike Baxick Jr., David Murphy, each on one card. Um, Murphy will only sign one card no matter what. You could have one card, he'll sign one. You could have two there, he'll sign one. So just a heads up on that, which, I mean, he's always been that way as a player, too. Uh, Josh Smith signed two. Taylor Hearn signed one, but I only had one of him. Same thing with Baxick, I only had one of him. Uh, Mark Mathias signed the two cards I had of him, another Heritage hit right there. Jonah Heim signed the, signed the only one I had with me, which was Heritage one as well. And guys I didn't have cards of, but had, uh, they were handing out small photos of every player if you didn't have anything there for them. So, uh Seth Connor, Rangers coach, I got him on one of those. Matt Hicks, Emily Jones, Eric Nadell, who are all broadcasters. Uh, and Elena Ornelas and Dave Raymond, broadcasters as well. John King, who's a pitcher. Uh, Josh Spores, also a pitcher, got them on those cards. Um, Jared Sandler, got him on one of those uh, little photos there. And Dave Valley, former catcher for the uh, Rangers and mostly the Mariners. He's Red a Sox, too. He played for the Red Sox, too. That's right, yeah, former Red Sox, too. But he was a... Uh, he does some broadcast work with the Rangers. They're mostly whenever they do West Coast games. I think he lives out in Seattle, but does some stuff there with the West Coast games. And he was out there for it, which unfortunately I didn't know because uh, he was added at the last minute after the initial list came out. So if it hadn't been for that, I would have had three cards for him there, but I did at least get him on one of those small photos. But yeah, so how the Rangers screwed this one up. Um, Marcus Semyon was on the list as like the big name for this thing. And that's what, I mean... 80% of the graphers I was hanging out with there were there to get Marcus Semyon. Yep. Obviously, I mean, it's a huge name and everything. And uh, so we're waiting there in line. The first group goes through. He was set to be in the second group. So we get over the first group. We get back in line to go for the second one. And we look over and somebody from the Rangers comes over and crosses him off the list on the second group. Ugh. 
<laughs> so I don't know why he couldn't make it or anything. I mean, my conspiracy theorist mind says that he was never going to be there to begin with, but they knew that if they didn't have a decent name on there, that nobody would show up because John Gray, he's a good pitcher and everything. It's great that he's, you know, the big name on there and everything, but he's not going to draw people in the way that something, somebody like uh, Semyon would. So what they charge you to go for the event? Did they charge you to go to the event? No charges, just a toy donation. And uh, with that toy donation, you get a, a ticket voucher for a uh, ticket to a game in the 2023 season. So, Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's a real good, uh, it's a great way to do it. They work with, uh, I don't know what the organization is, but something like a Toys for Tots type of uh, type of group there to get toys for kids for Christmas. Did they do it at the stadium? Yeah, it was inside the stadium there. They did kind of out in the, uh, the left field area there. And the other screw up, this is the one that really, really irks me on this whole thing. I have this 11 by 14 photo of Darren Oliver because I did a whole bunch of 11 by 14s on a bunch of Rangers alumni guys a few years ago. And some of who weren't at, at the uh, signing that I did them for, I just said, okay, fine, we'll just stash away and forget about them. And so I've been holding on to this thing for like five years now. It's crazy. I mean, I've got a whole pile of them, but uh, different guys. But so I pulled my Darren Oliver one because he was supposed to be on the list. So uh, he was on the list originally as the part of the third group there. Something, all right, cool. You know, I've been right in the front of the line for all these. Should be no problem getting getting him and everybody else. So I go through the uh, group two line and I get everybody in there. And as I'm in line for the third one, a friend of mine who is in line says, hey, uh, Darren Oliver just showed up for group two. And I'm like, he's supposed to be in group three, though. Like, yeah, he they moved him up, apparently. So this is after I'd already gone through the line. I got through it. And so I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, Fine, I just go through the line a second time. So I go over there, and no, they're not letting anybody through the line a second time. If they recognize you and you went through once before, too bad, you're not going through again. It's like, all I need is Darren Oliver there. So fine, whatever, wasn't going to bother with that. So I go over to where the security guy is standing. I said, look, Darren Oliver is the only one I need in this group. Can't I just slip in, get him, and slip out? And he just goes, no, you can't. <sighs> what the crap? This is ridiculous. Don't, so, don't they know you're a quasi-celebrity? Exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> I get in line for the third group. I think, okay, well, maybe since Oliver was supposed to be in the third group and he showed up late for the second one, maybe they'll keep him around for the third one. No, he zips out something. Okay, well, I've got my ticket for the third group. Maybe I can zip out of line and he'll, you know, walk through and I can get him over off to the side there. Or maybe he'll come around toward this other side close to where I was at because there, there's only three ways of getting out of there. And I could work with two out of those three ways. He took the third way, which was around the back straight to a golf cart. I'm yelling out, Mr. Ho Mr. Oliver, would you mind signing my car, my photo? And no, nothing, not a thing. So I'm holding on to this. Hopefully it's not going to be for another five years. I'm holding on to it, but yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But unfortunately, I mean, that's typical Ranger planning right there where they, they leave out half the uh, things that they should know how to do. and should. Yeah. And you know what? Do. There's no, um, there's no logic behind it. You know what I mean? Right. Just let, let it let you through for the one autograph. It's not like you're taking a spot from somebody. Exactly. I mean, they still had tickets they were handing out for that group and everything. Cause Every group was there for one hour. And usually, I mean, with that first group, that first group was done in 45 minutes. Yeah. The second group was done maybe 50 or so, probably even less time than that as well. And that last one I didn't stick around for, but based on the size of the line, they would have been done in half an hour. So, well, at least you got a bunch of autographs. That's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got I knocked out a bunch of set stuff. That's my biggest thing there. Very cool. Well, we guys, we have a really fun show for you. A lot of stuff to talk about. We have Paul McFadden, who was uh, 1984, I believe, NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. He played for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, and the Atlanta Falcons as a place kicker. He was a barefooted place kicker. We're going to talk to him about kicking and about uh, signing autographs. We have M Mark LeMay and George Scott III. You might recognize that name, George Scott Boomer. He 
his dad played for the Red Sox and Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Yankees. And we're going to talk to uh, Mark LeMay and George Scott uh, III about uh, TGA. That's the Grading Authority. It's a small uh, new grading company from New Hampshire. And we're going to talk to them about that. we got a, some cool raffles to talk about. We also have Clemente Lise from Qatar, our first interview from Qatar, Drew. So we have Clemente talking World Cup. So a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Next week, we have Paul Coffin, who was tight end for the Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to talk to him about playing in the NFL and, and signing autographs. But again, this week, Paul McFadden, Mark LeMay, and George Scott III, Clemente Lise, a lot of stuff, plus all our regular segments, right, Drew? Exactly. Baker's Dozen, where we're going to cover all of the news stories from the previous week throughout the hobby. Collector's Corner, as you just mentioned, with Mark LeMay and George Scott. We've got Fast Forward Football, where we're going to make all of our football picks. And we call fast forward, so you can just skip right over to that. It's not been good this year. Uh, quarter Cakes you mentioned with Clemente Lisi comes right after that, followed by Making the Grade, covering everything in the grading area of the hobby. We've got our stamp of approval. Jeff and I give our thumbs up to something or other from the previous week. There's a whole bunch of different ideas we go along with for that. The Vern Rap Minute, where we cover deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, politics, music, movies, anything you got there. And, of course, the reason why you're here and the reason why we started this whole thing, our TTM Returns. He's the best. He is the best. Like a pro. Well, guys, we love to hear from you. You know, we have our text line at 978-729-0662. Or you can email us at ptmcast at yahoo.com. Does it like a pro. Email us, guys. Let us know what we're doing. Let us know how we're doing. If you're interested in being on the show, if you want to be a guest on the show, we love to talk to fellow collectors, people that are passionate. If you have a suggestion, if you want to tell Drew how great you are, just email us at DTMcast at yahoo.com. Well, Drew, that closes out our introductions for the day, the week, I should say. Let's go right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. A lot of things to, to report this week to talk about. Guys, just want to remind everyone about my article, my weekly article on TTMing and autographs on the sportscollectorsdaily.com. Usually post either Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Make sure you check it out. Weekly article on TTM. It's like it's called TTM this week or TTM TTM. I think it's CTM this week. I think he calls it. It's on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Make sure you check that out. Also this month, I have an article on Kevin Keating, author Kevin Keating, and uh, chief authentic autograph authenticator, right? Chief autograph authenticator at PSA. Uh, make sure you check that out. It's in Sports Collectors Digest. Sports Collectors Digest this week, this month's Sports Collectors Digest. Make sure you check that out. Ian, I'll give you a, a hint. Next month, we're going to have a little, little feature on last Les Wolf. Nice. I got an autograph, uh, 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 article on Les Wolf next month. So make sure you check out Sports Collectors Digest. Next couple of months, a great, uh, great uh, periodical. Guys, all right. This is this is our our promotion. This is our holiday promotion. We're running it through the end of the year. It's that it's the promotion with the worst name, right, Drew? 
We don't. We didn't know what to call it. It's yeah, called... I mean, we we just kind of described it in the name, which I mean, that's <laughs> that's about as basic as you can get. Our creative juices are all gone, but it's still a fun promotion. We're calling it "Give a Card, Get a Card" for the holidays. Just what it is. Give you give us a card, you're gonna get a card for the holidays. Send us, send me one autographed card, just one autographed card. Send me a second autograph card. We're going to get take that card. We're going to send that off to Signatures for Soldiers, and they're going to earn money for wounded veterans. The other card, we're going to send off to another collector, and you're going to get a card from a, from a collector. So you're going to give a card, get a card. We need two cards in a self-addressed stamped envelope, and you're going to receive a card. We're going to do this through the end of the year. Go to ttmcast.com. And click on the give a card, get a card button, and all the information is there. The mailing address is there. We're going to run this through the end of the year. So you still have a couple of weeks to get it out. We've got we've got a handful so far, but we'd like to see more. The more people that get involved, the better. Drew sent in a, off a whole stack of cards. I got a bunch of cards. I got some cards from collectors. I've got a, I actually got a couple of graded cards that somebody sent me. So Ooh. we got we got some cards to send off, autograph cards. They're they're kind of cool. You'll get a card. Just send me a card. Any card doesn't matter. But you know what? If you if you send me a, a really good card, you're gonna get a really good card. We're, we're gonna try to do that. If you send me send me somebody that that signs eight thousand cards, well, you might not get the the best card. But we still <laughs> still get a card. So that is we're gonna call we're calling it. Give a card, get a card for the holidays. Send me two autograph cards in a self address stamped envelope and you will receive one back. And then one card's going to help wounded veterans to our friends at Signatures for Soldiers. Going through the end of the year, go to ttmcast.com for all the information. All right, Drew, I think we got all our housekeeping done. Let's talk a little auction. All right. So we got some jerseys that have gone uh, off the auction block here this week. Hunt Auctions ran one that had a 1950s Bill Russell jersey. $511,000, the final price tag on that one. So Bill Russell continuing the, uh, the hot jersey price there. I know I've seen a couple of his jerseys that have gone here recently. Uh, also, Shaquille O'Neal jersey from the Lakers in the 2001-02 season. That jersey went for $117,500. So, big name jerseys fetching some big, uh, some big prices. All right, let's talk a baseball. Right, we're talking the Aaron Judge 62 home run ball that was caught by a fan uh, in in the bleachers in Texas. Right, he was in the front row. He had a glove. He caught it. He was offered first. He was offered two million dollars by our friends at Memory Lane in. He said, nah, I don't think I'll take that. Then he was offered $3 million by somebody. He said, nah, I don't think I'll take that. Well, he decided to put it up for auction. It's on in golden auctions. The, the bidding ends uh, this weekend. Uh, right now, this as of a couple of days ago, the bidding was at $1.44 million. So I don't know if he's going to hit that $3 million, Drew. I don't think he made a good good choice. Yeah, I would have taken that $3 million. I mean, you have to consider, too, what percentage is Golden going to take there from uh, auctioning it off? How much is going to go by taxes and such? By the time all is said and done, he might not be netting even a million dollars. Whereas if he'd taken that $3 million sale price that he was offered, even post taxes, you're getting what? Still $2 million straight into your pocket. Yeah. No, uh, no auction house fees or anything like that. So uh, I would have taken the 3 million without question. I would, I think I would have taken the 2 million, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, you know, you gotta, don't be greedy guys. If you do call, yeah. get that home run ball, that's great on run, home run ball. Take, take the money. If you, if you're, if it doesn't really mean anything to you, that, that, yeah. that, that's what we learned from this. Well, we were uh, just talking there, you know, several, we're talking stuff in the millions of dollars, even the six figures on those jerseys. Well, 
How about the opposite end of the spectrum? Down in the pennies, stamps are going up in price in January. They're going to be going from 60 cents up to 63 cents. So uh, if you're using forever stamps, buy a whole roll of them here before they go up. You know, save yourself a few bucks. If you're not using forever stamps, then, well, go get yourself a whole bunch of three-cent stamps. You'll need to stick them on your envelopes there while you've got any of the 60-cent uh, ones left over. But, yeah, unfortunately, that's... Uh, it's, what happens here in the TTM game is uh, all we ever see is prices just continuously up, up, up on stamps. Yeah, with some news from Upper Deck, uh, Braden Yeager, uh, who was the, um, he's, he's one of the best players in junior hockey, and he's expected to be a top pick in next year's draft. Well, he signed an autograph deal with Upper Deck, which is good good for him, young young kid getting some money before he even starts playing. Uh, so there's a name to watch out for. Uh, next week, we're going to talk with Sal Barry from puck junk to talk uh, hockey so that that'll be next week but Braden Yeager is a name to remember uh for collecting hockey cards uh chasing cardboard is a uh, thing that we want to recommend everybody check out it's uh, on YouTube hosted by Ty Wilson and Matt Coleman great collectibles show so uh, make sure you check it out they did uh they started last year they had 14 shows so far but uh really fun stuff to go and watch there so uh it's one of the great things here is that we're seeing a lot of shows about card collecting whether it be something that's on ballet sports like the card life with something on youtube like chasing cardboard there's a whole lot of great options out there so make sure you're going and checking that one out yeah it's really it's a really good show they're about 20 25 minutes on, on youtube and it's kind of like american pickers for cards okay. you know they go they go to somebody's house and the, uh they're buying collections and uh these are a lot of collections that the hobby doesn't know about mm -hmm. so it's really interesting so check it out chasing cardboard on youtube i highly recommend it there's some show news to let you guys know about uh, for the new year. Uh, January 8th, Sunday, January 8th, the New England Card Show is happening in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's at the Mass Mutual Center. Robert Parrish is going to be one of the signers. They've got a couple other guys that they, they're bringing in as well. There's a trade night at the Basketball Hall of Fame as well. So make sure you check it out. NewEnglandCardShow.com, New England Card Show Sunday, January 8th. Uh, I'm going to try to get to that one. I, I can't say for sure, but I, I think I'd like to get make that one Sunday, January 8th in Springfield, Mass. Uh, one closer to my uh, area of the country here, the Dallas Card Show. I've been having those every few months or so. This is going to be January 12th through the 15th over in Allen, Texas. So a four-day show going on there. It's out at the Marriott Dallas Allen Hotel and Conference Center. DallasCardShow.com has all the info on that. They usually have a few autograph signers. I don't have any info on it just yet as to who's going to be there, but should have that info coming here. I mean, it's only a month away, so we'll probably get those in the next couple of weeks here. So DallasCardShow.com, January 12th through the 15th. Yeah, we have the Houston show, the Houston Collectors show at the T, the NRG Arena is in Houston. It is February 3rd through the 5th. It's a TriStar show, TriStarProductions.com. And I've seen the some of the signers, including Dr. J is going to be there, Kevin McHale, uh, Craig Biggio, a lot of um, Houston Astros from the champion Houston Astros are going to be there. So check it out, the Houston Collectors show, a show that I'd like to go to it, February 3rd through the 5th. It's always a big show at the NRG Arena. Go to uh, TriStarProductions.com for more information. Drew, we have some new releases. A lot of new releases coming this week. Yeah, we've got uh, some uh, contenders optic basketball from the 21-22 season. Get a box of six cards with one autograph. $350 is the price tag on that one from Panini. We have some hockey release, release 2021-22 Upper Deck SB Game Used Hockey. Six cards per box. You get three memorabilia, two base, and one parallel or retro rookie. And that goes for about $230. That's 2021-22 Upper Deck SP Game Used Hockey. 
Tops Baseball, we've got their Chrome Black product coming out. Four cards and one encased auto in each box. That's going to be a hundred and fifty dollars on that one. So a little bit of a product for the gamblers there with that uh, with that kind of a yeah. This one's a good one too, Drew. The two thousand twenty two Tops Triple Threat Baseball, Triple Threads Baseball, which is really good. You get two packs of seven cards. Each pack has three base cards, two parallels, plus a triple thread auto or t- uh, a triple thread relic, which is pretty good. Three hundred fifty dollars there. I've seen a break on this. These cards are nice. A lot of good inserts on it. Check it out. 2022 Tops Triple Threads Baseball for 350 bucks. An online exclusive from Panini. There are 2022 Classics Football set. That's always one of my favorite ones. They do a good job mixing in current and former players and kind of some uh, retro field designs there. But they're uh, limiting it a bit this year. They've changed it up. It's usually one. Of, it's usually been like kind of a bigger set. This year, it's only going to be a six card per box with two autographs deal going on there like i said it's an online exclusive through a panini america.net 350 is the price on that one yeah this one's been out for a couple of weeks but we'll, we'll we'll tell you a little about it. it's donruss optic baseball you get two autos and 20 packs per box four cards per pack so you get a lot of cards for only 125 dollars that donruss optic baseball is now out uh might be a nice one to get somebody for the holidays i uh, got one coming next week it's gonna be the tops chrome update baseball set for 2022 it's a 200 card set total in there. Uh, you're getting four cards in a pack of that. Box are going to run about 150 to 175 dollars. So for any Chrome collectors out there, any update collectors out there, use some cool stuff in there. Well, Drew, that wraps up Baker's Dozen for the week. A lot of talk about a lot of new releases, a lot of things happening in the hobby. When uh, our next segment is Corner Kicks with Clemente Lise. And now it's time for Corner Kicks with Clemente Lise. Goal! Well, Drew Clemente is at in Qatar at the World Cup, and I talked to him the other day. I talked to him on Wednesday, so it was before the Morocco uh, France game. But we work both were working under the assumption that uh, France was going to win. So we we got a we have a France Argentina final. Drew and I are recording this on Saturday. The final is tomorrow. So forgive us if we we pick the wrong pick because we make the, the worst picks anyway. But Drew, who do you, who do you like in the finals? Um, God, I think I think I feel like France is going to win, but I want to see Argentina win it because Lionel Messi's had just such an incredible career. So for him to finish it off with a World Cup. That'd just be the cherry on the on the on top of Sunday there for him. So I'd like to see Argentina win it, but I feel like it might end up being France going back to back. And uh, actually, as we're recording it right now, the third place match between Croatia and uh, Morocco is going on right now as well. And uh, halftime Croatia with a two to one lead in that. Oh, good. The Croatia is a good team. They I thought they were a really good team. Well, they, we're going to we're going to ha- hear from Clemente Lise from Qatar talking World Cup. We, we talk a little food. We talk some collectibles and we talk about um, his thoughts on, on the finals. So please enjoy my uh, interview with Clemente Lise in Corner Kicks. All right, guys, it's time to talk World Cup soccer with our co- soccer correspondent. Clemente Lise. Clemente, of course, is the author of the brand new book, The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Event. You can get that on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. It's doing great. And Clemente is calling in today from Qatar. He's at the World Cup. Welcome, Clemente. Hey, thanks for the, to be back. Thanks for having yeah, me. You know, we had a great connection. So this it feels like you're talking to me next door. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I've had some issues the, in the last couple of days. How's the trip been so far? Is it everything you, you, you hoped it would be? 
Yeah, it's been amazing. The 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 amount of people here is is crazy. Um, the other day I, I read that about forty thousand Argentina fans are here now from all over the world, mostly from Argentina. So it feels a little bit like twenty fourteen when I was in Rio. Argentina got to the final. A lot of Argentines at the time just drove into Argentina. Here they've been flying in. Uh, the weather's warm. Um, today was seventy nine degrees, so I shouldn't complain. I hear that back in uh, New York, it's in the thirties. Yeah, so. yeah, it was twenty six when uh, when I checked. So it's nice and warm here in Boston. Yeah, yeah, no, here we've been having the eighties, but it's in the seventies now. I shouldn't complain, but um, but it was a considerably a little cooler uh, the last day or two than it was in the previous days. Well, we're recording this on the 14th. This is what we're doing this about uh, 11 in the morning Eastern time. So it's before the France-Morocco uh, game. Do you think uh, Morocco is going to put a, a, a wrench in the, the, the Hope-France-Argentine final? Yeah, look, the truth is at the World Cup, everyone wants the heavyweights to, to meet off. And I think everybody wants an Argentina-France game because that would be a rematch of four years ago in the round of 16 when France won and then they won the World Cup. Messi is this sort of the story, but he wants Messi to win a World Cup. And if he does win the World Cup, I think he will be the greatest of all time. Um, but Morocco is the Cinderella, right? The, 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 like the March Madness Cinderella. Yeah, team. I mean, we and, talked about this when we, you know, three months ago that we knew a Cinderella was going to come out. We just didn't know who. Yeah, we didn't know who and how far. And this is, you know, for World Cup standards, this is pretty far. Um, can they do it all? Look, it's going to be extremely difficult. I, I could be proven wrong, obviously, come Sunday. But they'd have to overcome France, which is a very good team, attacking team. And then they'd have to overcome Argentina, which, you know, from watching the game on, on Tuesday, they really have come to their own. Um, Croatia is a good team, and they, they crushed them 3-0. And Messi is really playing the, at the height of his powers here. So, you know, if they obviously, if they get to the final and win it, then Morocco is not just the biggest upset champion ever, but would have beaten a bunch of really good teams like Spain and Portugal and then France and Argentina. I mean, you beat all those teams. You deserve to be champion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've seen every France game and uh, Mbappe and, and uh, Giroud are two great players. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to st stop. Them. Yeah. Yeah. My feeling is, and obviously I could be proven wrong, but I do really think that that France will just put on the pressure and Morocco will fall apart. Morocco's only given up one goal going to this game. So they got a great defense, but they're up against France, which has the best offense at this tournament. And those guys are just on fire. And they're better than they were four years ago, which I can't believe. Usually teams tend to age out a little bit. Um, we'll see. I mean, everybody wants the Argentina-France game. You know, it's funny. In Qatar, everyone is cheering most people for Morocco because it's Cinderella, but it's also an Arab team. Right. And so it's become like the home team. So... It'll be interesting to see. And then you have a lot of Argentine and a lot of people who just like Messi. So it'll be interesting to see where the loyalties lie come, come Sunday. Are you surprised how well Argentina played against uh, uh, um, Croatia? Croatia. Croatia. I saw a bunch of Croatian games and they looked, they were lights out. They were great all, the whole tournament. Yeah, they, and then they, Argentina just shut them down. Yeah, they, they took care of uh, Brazil on penalties. I thought that after they were down 1-0 that – They'd come back. Instead, when Argentina was up 2-0, I thought, okay, they have to score a third because they gave up, they gave up two to the Netherlands and then they pushed the penalties, and they, they scored a third. And, and at that point, Croatia just basically buckled. Um, you know, the thing with Croatia happened four years ago, too, is they take so many games to overtime, penalty kicks, that by the time they get to this stage of the tournament, they're just exhausted. Um, and if they had beaten Argentina, I think they would have lost in the final because they would have been so out of steam. And that happens sure. to teams all the time. And it could happen to Morocco, for example, where they just are pushing to the, to the, to the brink of their 
of their abilities, and then they have to sort of crumble eventually. You mentioned penalty kicks, and I and and as a, a novice to soccer, you know the I love I love the penalty kicks. It's like a, uh, in hockey when they do the penalty shot, right? I just like right. it's just awesome. Do you think they're gonna ever move that penalty kick back a little and make it a little more difficult? Well, as it is right now, the the kicker has the advantage. You know, most of the time oh. between yeah, between sixty to seventy percent, the kicker will score the penalty. But the goalies at this tournament have been really good on penalties. Their their save rate has been considerably higher than it was at past tournaments. So I think goalies have gotten better at deciphering where the balls are going. And there's so much technology now. When the, when a player goes up and kicks the ball, they they've studied the kicker. They know the drill. Um, it's funny because 30 years ago, people really hated the penalty kick. I remember the argument was, well, it's like deciding a, a World Series on a home run derby. Why, why would you do that? Of course, soccer, where goals are few and far between, you don't want to have games go on for three, four hours. It would benefit no one. Right. Uh, but there's, there's an art to the penalty kick. And I think goalies have been the big the big talking point this tournament. I think goalies have been better here than some of the attacking players. Of course, it's soccer, like hockey. People like offense and people talk about Messi and Mbappe, but I've been really, really impressed with, for example, the Croatian goalie up until last night, he was having a, a great tournament. To me, he's probably still the goalie of the tournament, Lakovic. Um, and so that's a, that's a great thing about the World Cup. There's players that maybe we never even heard of before who emerge because they get so much tension at this tournament. Um, but yeah, the penalty kicks, I just hope the final doesn't go to penalty kicks. That's always really super dramatic i remember i mean the quarterfinals were really dramatic i thought and at this tournament the quarterfinals were yeah the quarterfinals were great they, they yeah. were great games i think you know the semifinal game wasn't that great now i'm hoping today's game um gets back to because the quarterfinal games were fabulous yeah the games have been close you don't want to have a, a like a 3-0 game in the final because then the you know if by halftime the game is over then you know whatever you lose interest and you know, for the neutrals, they want to see drama, excitement, and I get that. Um, and hopefully that happens. I know traditionally final games don't live up to the hype because teams are tired, you know, seven games in, in four weeks. But then also you have the situation where um, they play more cautious. They're afraid of giving up a goal. Yeah. I do think if it's Argentina, France, these are teams that like to attack. And so I can see that, you know, four years ago, France beat Croatia 4-2, to two, which was the highest scoring final in decades. But it's possible that you see a lot of scoring, but it wouldn't surprise me if the final was decided one zero or on penalty kicks, that tends to be the sort of the pattern we see at past tournaments. So well, what's been nice is that the referees haven't taken uh center stage. There really hasn't been a, a controversy with the referees with a, with a bad penalty call or, or no, there was a little bit, there's some debate here about whether or not the um, first Argentina uh, goal was a really a penalty kick or not. I think it was, I think the goalie blocked the player and, he fell to the ground and yeah, I agree even, too. They didn't even review it. They just gave it. And I think that was fair. And the people who don't think it was a penalty think, well, that, that goal then opened the floodgates. My argument is Croatia could have at least tied it. I mean, Croatia did that against Brazil in the final minute of final minutes of extra time. So Croatia is a team that can do that. I just think they ran out of steam. So you think Morocco will be, uh, get, have the, the uh, fans behind them today? Yeah, I think the fans will be in full force. Um, there are French fans here as well, obviously, but I think the majority of the fans here are Argentine. And the Qataris have embraced Morocco, but I can see the Qataris uh, changing their mind and embracing uh, uh, Messi or Mbappe should they get to the final. But they'll, I think the home support will be in Morocco's favor. And then if they were to lose, let's say, I'm supposing that they'd say they lose and they play a third-place game on Saturday – Look, for Morocco, finishing third at a World Cup or fourth at a World Cup is, is extraordinary. They've already done something that's extraordinary. And, you know, African teams, 
it's been decades that people have been saying they're going to come do, they're going to come do. Yep. And, and, you know, it's nice to see a story like that because it's a great group of guys. They play a team effort. They don't have an individual star. Um, so, I mean, I, I bet most people couldn't even name two or three players in that team. Um, but it's just, it's just the fun fairy tale part. It's, you know, it's the George Mason of 15 years ago in March Madness, you know? Sure. How's the crowds and the security and the, uh, you, you went to the game, right? You went to the, the, yes. the RG yeah. game. Yeah. The, the security is great. Um, you know, for all the, the bad talk ahead of time about, you know, the country, the country has been a great host, you know, the no alcohol has made it a lot easier to keep the crowds at bay. Now I know that <laughs> England was uh, eliminated in the quarterfinals. They're the ones, you know, the English fans are more notorious uh, drinkers. I remember uh, in Moscow uh, four years ago, they, they drank all the way to the third place game and, you know, they, they show up to the stadiums drunk, the play, the, the, the players, no, the, fa uh, the fans. Um, but that hasn't been an issue here. You know, if you want to get alcohol, you get alcohol. If you don't want it, you don't get it. But the, the, the order around the stadiums has been, it's been nice to see because you see a lot of the local people, you know, a lot of families that go to games and, and you don't see that in Europe where um, families don't go to games because they're dangerous. You know, fan groups are dangerous and it's been a very family friendly World Cup, I think, for the people that are here. Have you been in the press box or have you been in, uh, do you, you have a ticket? Yeah, I've been in the press areas. Yeah. And it's been it's been really great um, and state of the art stuff. You know, I, I'm amazed at every World Cup, how technology gets better and better and better. Um, I remember, you know, four years ago, the Wi-Fi was iffy. The Wi-Fi is iffy sometimes and that just happens. Um, but, you know, I'm able to use my cell phone and, and, and be in touch with people. And it's a lot it's a lot, it's a lot easier to communicate than it was maybe um, four years ago eight years ago, 12 years ago, you know, I've been, this is my fourth world cup. So I've seen the evolution of technology make yeah. the job a little easier of filing stories, interviewing players and that kind of thing. How has it been access to the players? Have you, they've been pretty good about getting, uh, yeah, what they do, the what the FIFA, what FIFA, uh, usually does is a mixed zone where, um, players walk out of the locker room. You cannot go into a dressing room or locker room at, at the FIFA level. Like in, you can in the United States, you have, the players have to walk out and usually there's a gaggle when players stop and some players don't stop. And, you know, they make players available. And FIFA is really good about putting these players on monitors for, you know, for in the press rooms or press areas, auxiliary rooms. I mean, there's a lot of working facilities, a lot of reporters and photographers who are working on deadline who are filing stories and copy um, constantly um, or live blogging even now. So, um, so no, it's been, it's been great. And even if you go uh, over to um, in the capital Doha by the waterfront, you have a lot of the big broadcasters, including Fox, of course, has a, a big uh, studio there. So. Have you, uh, I know you can't do this as a press member, but have the guys, uh, the players been signing autographs? Have you seen the guys signing autographs or have no, you get access yeah, to fans at all? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, even the training grounds have been pretty blocked. And, you know, as a, as a, as a working press person, you know, you don't ask for autographs. It's a big no, no. No, it's I know. Funny. I wear, I wear like two hats, you know, I wear the reporter hat and I have to do the reporting part and the analysis part. And then I have my fan part, of course. And at the World Cup, usually what I do with that is, is I like to just buy trinkets, mementos. And I haven't bought a whole lot yet. I'm kind of uh, spacing it out. I, I like to shop on off days and there'll be an off day. Well, no, Saturday's not really an off day, but a third place game, you know, is not as important as other games. And of course, I'm also here on Monday um, all day, when, the day after the final, which I'll probably use to then get stocking stuffers for my kids. Um, I don't want to give it up on the air when I'm going to get them, but, um, you know, you sort of eyeball things and you sort of see stuff that's what fits in my bag. I have to worry about that too. You know, <laughs> do they have, do they have a program for the, the world cup final? They like do have know? a program and I always get that. And I have the last, I think two. Um, and that's mostly, that's in English, uh, English and Arabic in this case. Um, and that's always fun to just hang on to. It's a very thick book, kind of like a super bowl one. Uh, I don't have it near me, 
Um, I did go to McDonald's. I did get one of those packs that I, that I talked about. Oh, hold it up. I have oh, it here. Yeah. You haven't opened it up yet? No, I haven't opened it yet. And maybe I'll tease it where maybe maybe next week I'll come back on and we'll wrap up the tournament. I'll open it then. I hope to get a few more, actually. Um, they're hard to find. Um, but the McDonald's here, like McDonald's everywhere in the world, is like super spotless compared to the ones in New York. People are super nice. And but I will say I haven't been eating McDonald's all that much. I've been eating a lot of the you feel like Middle Eastern food. This is the place to be. So yeah, I was going to ask you what what is the 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 fare at the stadium and and uh, what what what's your favorite meal so far? Yeah, at the stadium. There? So I haven't really walked around, you know, where the fan areas are. And I know in the past they've served like stuff like hamburgers, hot, you know, that kind of food. But you know, eating out in in the city is great because when I was in Russia four years ago, I didn't like Russian food. Um, I remember I walked miles to find the Shake Shack then. Here, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, here it's great. I love lamb and uh, lamb kebabs and rice and hummus. And, they, you know, I love Middle Eastern food. And it's really, really good, really, really fresh. And uh, so I've been eating a lot of meat. If you like meat, this is a good place for you. So, <laughs> so it's been good. The, bu- the buzz here obviously has been the death of, of uh, Grant, the reporter. You know, yeah. it's, it's been kind of on, you know, front page news for, for a week now. Um, did you know him? Are we, were you familiar with yeah, him? Yeah, you know, he, he passed away on Friday um, and I was still in New York when he passed away. I was very upset by it. I, I met him um, ooh, probably 20 years ago in the press box, I think at Giant Stadium. And he was a, a presence. He was the, you know, he was always well-dressed, always super nice, always had a nice thing to say. I used to listen to his podcast. You know, he had his own Substack channel. He worked, for, you know, for Sports Illustrated for years. I would read his stuff. You know, back then he was the only one covering soccer, so you had to basically like get the magazine or go on the website and read his stuff. And a true gentleman, a really nice guy. And what happened was just truly tragic. I did see earlier today, or Wednesday, that he died of some kind of uh, embolism or some kind of yeah, uh, aneurysm. I think aneurysm. Yeah, what they said. Um, yeah, and so you know, um, what bothered me most was you know on my way out it was uh, you know just days and days of conspiracy theories. I hate conspiracy theories. And you know, if Grant Wall was alive, he'd hate to see that. He, you know, he was a really good journalist. He really dug for stories. I used to read his stuff all the time because you know he didn't, you know, he didn't do PR. He did, you know, he he called it like he saw it. Um, he did really good work. Um, and some of your listeners might remember him from, you know, writing the LeBron James cover for Sports Illustrated. He yep. covered college basketball for many years until he basically made soccer his own beat. And the editors there kind of reluctantly said, OK, do it. And like I said, he traveled all over the world. And I would see him often at MLS games um, or U.S. national team games over the years. You know, I, I don't want to say I knew him personally because I didn't, but uh, I saw him all the time. He was always very nice, um, always, always well dressed. I remember. Um, he just always had a smile, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, I know when people die, people say nice things about those people generally, but this, in this case, it's really true, I think. And, uh, and just all the stuff I heard in the days since his death about how he was a mentor to a lot of young people. I mean, yeah. just the, the, just on Twitter alone, just all the stuff about him and how what a great guy he was, was, was great to read. They, they, they um, I had, I saw an interview, I think yesterday with the gent, the uh, gentleman that he was doing a part the podcast with. And uh, oh, he, yeah, he, Chris Whittingham. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. he couldn't say enough good things about him. And, you know, I knew of him, obviously, from Sports Illustrated days. Right. And I, I didn't I didn't follow him. But when I when I heard the first thing, I was like, oh, no, I hope it's not Clemente. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of people, like I said, the conspiracy theories about how, you know, because of where it happened and how it happened, it lent itself to that. Of course, Twitter does, you know, people who don't know anything about what's going on or pining yeah. on Twitter. And that's I hate that. And of course, thankfully today, I think that that squashes all that. And, you know, his wife, of course, is a, is a noted doctor, 
which probably you know helps. In, right, it helps. In, in all How about has uh, has Panini had any presence at the World Cup? Have you seen them? Uh, have no. any booths or anything set up? No. No, I have not seen anything Panini related here. Um, the Argentina fans are big fans of the stickers. I, I remember reading um, and seeing a couple of months back where they they run out of stickers and there were. Um, um, you know, people running uh, into shops early in the morning and, and harassing uh, street vendors for it. And and I've seen very few stickers here. I mean, some of the Argentina fans are, are into it, uh, but I have not seen uh, much at all, if anything. How about pins? Any special pins or any? any there are pins. Yeah, there are pins. I got, you know, I'm a big fan of keychains, too. I don't really collect them, but I like to have the newest keychain. So I got myself the World Cup trophy keychain. Very cool. He's holding that. up a trophy. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's got the little like the the Qatar logo on it, you know, which is cool. And I have a few from the Women's World Cup. That's the other thing we haven't talked about is, you know, at every World Cup, there's always buzz around the next World Cup, which will be in the United States in four years or three and a half years, really. But the Women's World Cup is next year in Australia and New Zealand. And, and there's a lot of hype around that here, too. Uh, FIFA likes to elevate both tournaments now. And of course, the United States actually has a really good shot at winning the Women's World Cup because we won it a few times already. Yeah. Um, so FIFA has always got some other big event right come right after this one. So they're always, you know, sort of working it. Yeah, I didn't realize that the men's World Cup team and the women's World Cup team, they split all the the funds that's, so that the, that's the a, Women's that's World Cup totally, made, made money off of the men's World Cup. That's a totally new thing, right? Yeah, and uh, they, they both get equal pay, which was yeah. the fight that went on for years and years. And the, the men's team did pretty well. They got to the round of 16. They lost a heartbreaker to the Netherlands but they amassed a certain amount of prize money that FIFA gives them. And the men's world cup prize money is always bigger than the women's one. It's not because of sexism. It's because the men's world cup generates so much more money and revenue globally than the women's one. I remember when I was in uh, France for the women's world cup, you know, if you went to the games, there was excitement, there was merchandise, but if you walked around Paris, for example, you wouldn't know there was a women's world cup going on because the local population wasn't into it. Even though the French team is pretty good. When you go to a world cup, a men's world cup, the country that's hosting it, it's everywhere, you know, at the airport and, uh, you know, at the shopping centers and on the street, it's just the presence everywhere, flags everywhere. And so it's, it's a much bigger event, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, kudos to us soccer for making a deal. I think it was a distraction for too many years where talk about the equal pay, you know, and the, when the women win the world cup and get prize money, you know, the men will get half of that too. So um, if they win it, so it'll be a much smaller pot, but it'll still be something. And I think it's, it's good to grow the game in this country. You know, we're one of the few countries in the world where the men's game and the women's game is both growing. In some yeah. other countries, it's just the men's game or, or just the women's or, or, or there is no women's game. So, um, yeah, so like I said, in, in, in July and August of next year, we'll have the Women's World Cup. Do you think you're going to explore a little of the stadium more uh, before this game? Yeah, I want to get, you know, for the third place game, because it does, it means so little, you know, the third place game at the World Cup is often much maligned, you know, because it's not like the Olympics where like, if you finish third, you get a bronze medal. I mean, the medals go to third and fourth. In this case, it doesn't matter. So I think for the third place game on Saturday night, I'm just going to stretch my legs a little bit, walk around the stadium, you know, and I often, I often go to the stadium gift shop because that's where the, the good merch is. The FIFA approved stuff is there. Yeah. Um, and they have pop-up stores too, which I like to hit, but, um, um, and they have a fan fest, which is a big area, uh, where they have big screens. Cause a lot of people come here, even the Argentines, they come here, but they don't have tickets. So they try to get tickets. And then if they don't get tickets, they, they gather in these large areas just because they want to be here. They want to you know be here for the excitement, the, the roar of it. I remember in, like I said, in Rio in 2014, Argentina got to the final and people drove from Brazil and slept in their cars just to be there. Of course, 
2014, uh, Germany beat Argentina and they lost. And um, so for Messi, this is really his last shot. It's his last World Cup, it's his last World Cup game. It'd be pretty amazing if he wins it all. How have the how's the availability of tickets? I know you're not looking for tickets, but are they, are, can uh, you scalp tickets in uh, in Qatar? Yeah, is that yeah? There are a lot illegal? of you know there are a lot, there are a lot of I've done a lot of reading into this. Um, there's a lot of people out there selling you know fake stuff, so you have to really be careful if you're going online. And because they're all electronic, these tickets you really have to be careful. But what I would do is the FIFA's website has an official place where there's a ticket exchange. A lot of people, for example, if you're a Brazil fan and you bought the Brazil, you know, uh, tickets and, you know, now they're out of the tournament, you know, you cut your vacation short, you might want to sell those tickets then to the Argentine fans, but you have to do it on an official website. I know StubHub in the United States also sells tickets or StubHub International. You can go on there because I, I trust StubHub and I trust the FIFA website. But if, you know, people on Twitter, are like I have two tickets, uh, you know, send me money and I'll send you the tickets uh, via email. I, don't don't do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of fraud going on because it's not like the old days where you stood at the corner with tickets in your hand and you just exchange the money and the tickets. Now it's all like it's an app. And so it's much more complicated. But the Argentina fans are finding a way to get into these games because yesterday it felt like Buenos Aires in the stadium and in the neighborhood all around it. Um, and I think it'll be that way for days. So they these people like to sing and dance and chant all night. So. They have most of the people left in terms of your, your team's out Have they left of the U S people left of the English left of the yeah, even Brazilian lab. They yeah, left. There's no, yeah. There's no English fans. I know that there's a lot of Moroccan fans coming in because it's only a few hour flight. It's not that far away. And you know, you can fly to Saudi Arabia and then get it like a day trip in and then you can get out. Um, I know that they've had to block some flights from Morocco because they just, they, the problem in Qatar is there aren't enough hotel rooms for everybody and they're doing the best they can. They built a whole city of containers they use as rooms. They have two cruise ships docked in Doha because they need to use the rooms as hotels, not to mention all the executives and media that need hotel rooms um, that were booked well in advance. So there aren't enough hotels here. So it is kind of a struggle to get people in. A lot of the Qataris, the local people bought tickets. Um, and if they want to make a good money, I think, you know, they can scalp to the Argentines because, um, you know, if you live in Qatar and you buy tickets, who cares who's in the final? It's the final of the World Cup. It's in your country. Sure. You, you want to go. It's like going to the Super Bowl in your hometown. You don't really care if it's the Broncos or the Niners or the Giants. You just want to see a Super Bowl. Right. But I'm sure that everyone's pulling for France and, and, and Argentina because that's the that's the matchup everyone. That's, you know, the, the neutral, yeah. the neutrals want to see that. The, you know, they want to see the 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 the, the two so, big guys go against each other. So I'll tell you a little story. So all the people that don't know much about soccer want Morocco to get there because it, it's a great story. And, you know, some journalists want that too, because it's a great story. But all the people that are into soccer want to see the two best teams in the world, which would be France and Argentina. There are a lot of South Americans still sort of here, Brazilians, Chileans, those kind of people. And they, they're rooting for Argentina because they want to see them fall in the final, which is really, uh, <laughs> you know, which is really nasty. Red Sox-Yankees, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we against like the Yankees hate, to go down. They hate them so much, but they wanted them to win against Croatia because they were saying, oh, well, if they get to the final and they lose to the final, that'll be even a bigger heartache for the Argentines. And so soccer fans could be just like as brutal as Yankees and Red Sox fans. Um, I think if you're a Brazil fan, it's a little too close for comfort. If Argentina's in the final, they got a good shot at it. You know, I'd yeah. rather, if I'm a Brazil fan, I'd rather see Argentina get eliminated, you know, earlier. Um, but we'll see what happens. I remember in 2014, not to talk about that World Cup a lot, but it's very similar to this one because we're near a beach. It's warm. Uh, in 2014, all the Brazilians were cheering for Germany. And uh, and it worked out that way for them. So. 
Now you've been to a, a few World Cups. What has surprised you most about this one so far? Well, it's still, you know, the idea that this is Christmas time is, is really weird because the other World Cups were in June and July. And yep. I feel like I didn't have all this stuff hanging over my head. Like I have to get Christmas presents, you know, like that wasn't a, never a thought at a World Cup before. Um, you know, funny enough, there's, a, you know, at every World Cup, there's also people here looking to get attention or getting uh, some steam for the future World Cup. You know, in 2030, the World Cup turns 100. And so there's a few countries interested, you know, South America is interested in hosting it like a, like a South American World Cup, you know, with Uruguay and Chile and Argentina, because the first World Cup was in Uruguay. Uh, but there's also Saudi Arabia is interested, which is very close to Qatar. Um, and you can see this buzz around that. But my fear is that if Saudi Arabia were to get the World Cup, I mean, it's a big country, but, but it'd be another November World Cup, right? Just like yep. Qatar is interested in, in hosting a future Olympics. Are we talking about a summer Olympics in November again? So this may become the new normal where we're talking about summer tournaments in the middle of the winter. Um, I will say that the fear that it would hurt American TV ratings. I mean, I think people have been watching back in the United States. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, just, just the, just before I left, I was telling my daughter, just, just the, the Thanksgiving uh, Black Friday and that whole weekend. I mean, that was just a great four days of soccer. And then there was college football, NFL, and I don't, I don't think anything cannibalized each other. I think it all worked out. People either watched all of it or part of it, but it didn't hurt soccer. I mean, the U.S.-England game is still the highest rated men's game now. Um, um, at this time. Yeah, no, I think there was a lot of interest in the U.S., and I think in, in four years when it's here, it will garner a ton of interest. Hey, did you bring any uh, books? Did you bring any of your books? Have you got any feedback? on? on yeah, I, I brought some books with me. I, You know, there were a few journalists in the press center that I know that I gave them copies of. You know, it was kind of always fun to meet up with people that I sometimes see on social media or I see every four years, you know, a few African journalists, a few European journalists that I know. It's always, you know, that's the, the beauty of the World Cup for the for the people behind the scenes, for FIFA, for the journalists. It's a place where like, hey, we gather here every four years, kind of like a reunion. And like, when are you going to get everyone in the same room, basically, or in the same press building? Uh, you know, only at a, at, a, at a Men's World Cup, it happens every four years. So it's kind of nice to, to do that. I know they're preoccupied right now, but did you get any feedback from anyone at FIFA uh, regarding your book? Because it's a really uh, a nice story for FIFA. I think I would think they would they would enjoy. Yeah, it. I've got I got no feedback from them. They were they were good in terms of you know providing me with data information. A lot of the stuff they 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 have on their media portal now. You know that you know journalists could um, log into their media portal, and there's lots of photos and all the press conferences streamed on there. All the past ones, a lot of great photography, a lot of great data. So in that sense, they were very helpful in that way. But, you know, I, I did give an unvarnished look at FIFA. I didn't, I didn't do PR for FIFA. I did mention that there was corruption in the past and other things. And, I mean, they know that. Everyone's brought that up. So Right. It's not a secret. <laughs> not a secret. I, I didn't blow the lid on anything. But, you know, just putting it all in one place and, and, and presenting it in a fair and accurate way, I got no feedback. But sometimes, you know, that the best thing is not to hear from them either one way or another. You know, I always – I had an editor tell me once, if someone tells you you did a good job – Maybe you made a mistake. And if both sides hate you, maybe you did something right. So cool. Well, we're talking, of course, we're talking to Clemente Lise and about his book, The FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. It is Clemente Lise, L-I-S-I. Go on Amazon to find it. You can also go on our website, ttmcast.com. Click on the link for the book and you can save 30% off the book only on our website. You can get that there. His book is available anywhere books are sold. If you want to get a uh, Autograph copy, just you can text and email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. 
We'll make sure Clemente signs the book for you. And uh, he, Clemente is, we're talking to Clemente from Qatar. I think we, I had one interview from Israel. So you are the farthest, the, the person that called in the farthest for, for the show. Just, so you, just by, a, just by a little though, because Israel, not, not too far. <laughs> yeah, just a little, but you, you, you get the, uh, I know you get the special gold star. You get the, <laughs> I called the farthest gold star. I want to, yeah. you know, enjoy the finals, enjoy the semifinals. Again, we're talking to Clemente on Wednesday, the 14th at about 11:30 in the morning. So this is before the France uh, Morocco game. So we're gonna we're gonna assume France wins. Okay, we're just gonna have to assume France wins. Let's France, assume that. Yeah, let's assume that, and then it'll, it'll be an epic final. I hope. I and think then, so too. And I hope. Who do you like? Can, do you like France or do you like Argentina for the final? You know, it's funny. I I my pick before the tournament started was Argentina, so I will stick with that pick. I don't want to change midstream. But France is very, very, very good. So. They are, you know what? I, again, I've, I've watched every game of France, I think. I've probably watched two or three Argentina games. I think France is the team to beat. I really do. They, yeah. uh, they, You know, when you can score goals in soccer, and especially in the World Cup, that goes a long way. And they have two guys that can score. Let's be honest. They, they didn't play the best game against England, and they still found a way to win. And that, to me, is the pedigree of a champion when you can play a game not as well as your opponent and still squeeze out a victory. Um, that shows character, and it shows that you can do it. And Argentina has been very wobbly. They've actually gotten better now in the last few games. But, you know, they lost the opening game, you know, Saudi yeah. Arabia. And they were, you know, they basically have been playing elimination games ever since. And maybe that's why they've had their backs to the wall. Maybe this is why they, they've gotten better and better. But um we shall see you know hopefully it's a great final and then i can get on next week you know i come back on tuesday hopefully I can get on next week and we can wrap up the tournament it's been a really great ride with you and talking to you about the tournament and you know it's funny it's now it's all culminating at the end here when we've been we were talking about it back in the summer <laughs> i know still sort of uh you know sort of an idea but most people are not thinking about the world cup six months ahead of time i'm thinking about it every day you know uh, for four years, but people are not thinking about the World Cup until it's front of mind. And so it's it's good to, to see this sort of conclusion. I'm just hoping for a really good final because the worst feeling is to have a, a 64 game tournament, you know, four weeks of excitement and drama. And for the final to be a dud would be really uh, disappointing. Right, so I, I, I'm hoping for a good game. I agree. Clemente, you have a great time. Have safe travel back. Get something good to eat. I will. Get some more stickers. <laughs> we come back, when you come back next week, we will wrap up World Cup. And then hopefully going into the new year, we can talk a little hockey. Yeah. Yeah. If Sal let me, we'll talk a little hockey. Yeah. I, I got, we're going to talk to Sal on Saturday. So say, cool. <laughs> say hi for me. <laughs> I will. All right, pal. You have a, a great, great time there. Get some cool stuff. Have safe travel. I will talk to you next Wednesday and uh, all good. Okay. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, Drew Clemente gets the right. He, he sets the record for my longest uh, interview, right? I've had an interview from Israel before, but he is he he gets sets the record for our longest interview. He talked to us from Qatar, which is kind of cool. And uh, he's going to be back next week. I'm going to talk to him next week, wrapping up the uh, whole World Cup things. And then I think we're going to have Clemente on maybe every month to talk a little hockey because Clemente is a big hockey mm -hmm. guy as well. So we are going to keep Clemente with the show as long as we can. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little soccer with him and, and talk about uh, collectibles and talk about the World Cup, the finals, the World Cup next week. But enjoy the World Cup finals this week. Uh, as Drew, Drew and I, are, I think, both think France is going to win it. And I think that wraps up Corner Kicks. Next up, Drew, is... Fast Forward Football.
Time to hit that button. Fast forward football, guys. Drew and I are making our picks right now. Hit fast forward right now. Hit the button, guys. We're the worst. We're the worst. The worst pickers of games out there. The last week, I won three and two. I won the week. Drew is two and three. We are now, uh, four, I am four, seven, and three. So I still have a chance to tie this thing, right, Drew? I think I can tie this if I win the, if, if I win the, if I win out. I think so. Yeah. I okay. I will let you pick the first game. We pick five games. Uh, we will, we have the Baltimore Ravens who don't have a quarterback at your Cleveland Browns. The Browns are giving two and a half points. Who do you like? I'm probably going to hate that I did this, but I'm going to take the Browns in this one. I think uh, they can, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'll take the Browns in it. All right. I'll take the Ravens, even though they're not, they can't score three points. Yeah. All right. Ready? The Miami Dolphins in a big game going up to Buffalo and the cold and the snow and the mess at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are giving seven points. I am going to take Miami. If this, like? a new, if this is a neutral site game or if they, or if Buffalo actually had decent weather, I would take Miami too, but I'm going to take the bills. I think the weather could potentially play into this one. I mean, Tua has played in what Hawaii, Tuscaloosa and Miami. <laughs> He's not used to the cold. You know what? I figured I take the seven points and I think Miami is going to be playing for something. They're still playing for a playoff spot. I think True. the bills are kind of like, all right, we'll be the one seed. We'll be the two seed. So that was my thought on that one. Which it doesn't matter because I'll get it wrong. <laughs> the, we have the Titans, the Tennessee Titans at the LA Chargers. No, yeah, they're the LA Chargers, right? Yep, I, LA now. Yep. LA Chargers. The Chargers are giving three points. Who do you like, Drew? Oh, geez. Um, the Chargers haven't impressed me at all, but with them being at home, travel for the Titans, I got to go with the Chargers. All right. I'm going to take the Titans. I think the Titans are. Uh, a good team. They're a good playoff team. I don't. I think the Chargers are pretenders. All right, Rain. My New England Patriots going to Las Vegas against their former coach, right? Their former offensive coordinator. The Las Vegas Raiders are giving one point to the New England Patriots. I'm going to take the Patriots. All right. What do you like? Considering my bad luck in picking Patriots games, I'm going to shadow your pick on this. I'm going to go with the Patriots on this one as well. All right. Lastly, our last game, Monday night, we have the Rams, the L.A. Rams. The... What happened to the Rams, Drew? What I happened? don't know. I just, oh, man. that's just It's just so weird they've fallen off as much as they have this year. I know they were so good last year, and now what? I just don't know what happened. Well, anyway, we got the Rams at the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are giving seven points to the Rams. Drew, who do you like? As a Browns fan, I have learned never to bet on Baker Mayfield. I'm going to take the Packers. All right. I'm going to take the Rams just so we have a, we go different. I like the Packers yeah. as well, but we, we got to have, we got to have some different teams in there, you know? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's it. Call them all back, Drew. <laughs> Come on back. We're done. We're, you can, you can release that fast forward button. <laughs> <laughs> We are done with fast forward football, boys. Next up, we're going to have a little collector's corner. Drew, I had a real uh, great opportunity. I'm actually going to go up and check out their facility in um, after the new year. And I'm talking about Mark LeMay and George Scott III uh, from TGA. That's the grading authority, tgacards.com. 
They're a, a brand new grading company out of New Hampshire. They've been around for about a year and they're a New England company and they're, they're starting to gain some momentum. And uh, we're gonna we've talked to them about the, their company, and I talked to George Scott III about his dad, who played for the M Milwaukee Brewers and the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees. He was a first baseman, all star, and uh, I don't know he probably he hit probably on four. I don't know if he hit four hundred home runs, but it was pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. um, he he was a slugger, the boomer. So I talked to George Scott about his dad and about um, his involvement with TGA and, and Mark LeMay, the president of TGA. So we were I was supposed to have them both. Um, on at the same time, but because of scheduling problems, we had to have two different interviews. So first we're gonna talk with Mark LeMay, and then we're gonna go right into George Scott, uh, my interview with George Scott. So it's a, they're two pretty good interviews. Also guys, we have a contest this week. This is a, we'll get, we're giving away three, three packs of cards graded, free cards graded by TGA. So you get not one, not two, but three cards can get you can get graded by TGA. I have three packs of them I'm going to give away. We'll give them away next week. It's a great, great uh, prize. You can pick any card you want. doesn't matter what the value is. That they, will, they will grade them for you. So uh, if you want to register to win a three-pack of cards graded by TGA, TGA cards, send your name and your email your mailing address to me at dtmcast at yahoo.com put tga in the in the subject line and we'll pick three winners next week so i have uh you're gonna get a, we're gonna three pack of cards graded by tga so uh that's a pretty good price don't you think drew absolutely is all right so make sure you enter our contest or remind everyone at the end of the show but please enjoy my interview with Mark LeMay and George Scott III from TGA, tgacards.com. And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week. Introducing Drip Shop Live, a live online marketplace of sports cards and products from your favorite sellers. Discover giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more right from your phone or desktop. On Drip Shop Live, you'll find hundreds of sellers live all the time. Give Drip Shop Live a try. For a limited time, save $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more. Try finding another break or card box that's that affordable. And shipping is always free on Drip Shop Live. Go to dripshop.live slash invite slash TTM or find the link in our description to get this exclusive offer. Joining his show from his offices in New Hampshire is Mark LeMay. Mark is president of the Grading Authority. That's TGA, TGACards.com. They're a grading company out of New Hampshire, a New England company. We're going to talk a little grading, a lot of little collecting, and a little, little cards with Mark. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate your time and having us on here to chat about cards and grading and the industry and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's a yeah. very exciting time, I think, to be in the hobby and to be a grader. How did you guys tell me a little about the history of the, the hobby of, of the company? I mean, and how did you guys get in, involved in grading? Yeah, so my partner and I, we, we've been collecting for, well, gosh, I'm 40 years old. So since uh, I was seven years old, we've been collecting. And, uh, you know, it was 1989. I remember specifically it was, it was the year of the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. And that's what really got us into collecting. And uh, we've been collecting our whole lives. And then over the past, I'd say, 
five, six years, we would uh, send a lot of cards in for grading. We would sit at his dining room table and we would just kind of do, uh, we'd have stacks of cards and we would submit them based on what we thought were the best quality cards. And over the years, we started getting really good at it because all the cards we're getting back were, I mean, it was like 80% of them were nines and tens. So we had a really good feel of what these grading companies were looking for in these gem mint to, you know, mint to gem mint cards. Um, and then, you know, during the pandemic, uh, there was a problem in the industry. There was, there was people sending their cards in paying for, you know, this service, maybe it was 30 day service or whatever. And it was taking months, if not years, to get the cards back. There was nobody to go to. And, you know, we decided, and there was a few things in the industry that we didn't really like how things were done, like, you know, paying fees for higher value cards and, and whatnot. So we decided let, let's start something. And, uh, there's nothing in New England. Let's start something and, and make something special out of it and offer a different type of service for people to get their cards graded and, and make sure that we can deliver those cards back to them in a fair amount of time and, and a, at a very fair price. And uh, that's kind of what started it. So we opened our doors uh, on June 1st of 21, although we spent the, the previous six months just doing nothing but promotions and doing an early adopter program for people to get in early. So when we opened on June 1st, we had a steady flow of cards already coming in. And uh, it's been a wild ride since, since uh, you know, over the last year and a half. And um, we've seen a lot of great growth and a lot of great uh, feedback from the community. Um, so we're just really excited to be in the that we're in now. Uh, we love doing what we're doing. And now uh, you know, we're living the dream. We're talking with Mark LeMay. Mark is president of the Grading Authority. That's TGACards.com. Mark, how do you differentiate yourselves from getting lost in the, the alphabet soup of grading? There's so many card grading companies out there now, and it's very competitive. How do, how do you guys distinguish yourself? And that, that's well said, the alphabet soup. There, there's so many. And, uh, you know, as a result of the pandemic, a lot of grading companies popped up. And a lot of them are already out of the scene, right? So I think that some people refer to this this time period as um, uh, the junk uh, slab era. But um, <laughs> I think that you know what we've done differently is <laughs> what we've done differently, Jeff, is we've been able to offer customers uh, or collectors, right? And this is what we're really focusing on. So I must say the, the word collector locks. That's what we are. We're able to offer collectors their own choice. So like. For example, if they have a Boston Red Sox card, maybe the Xander Bogarts rookie card, they're able to now take that label and make it, we have a Red Sox label, right? That really accentuates the color of the, of the Red Sox uniforms. So the cards can really match up nicely. Um, we're able to turn these cards around quickly because you know we're a newer company. We don't have millions in cards in backlog. Um, so we're able to turn the cards around quickly, which, which really helps two different parties, right? You have your collectors, who just, just want to collect the cards. They want to make them look nice with the labels, add it to their collection, take pictures and show the world. And then you have the flippers um, who just want to get their cards back quickly and get them on eBay, right? So it kind of helps both parties. The collectors that want their cards back because they're nervous that they're out in the grading and they don't know where it's at. And then, you know, the flipping community who want, just wants to get it back so they can, they can flip that card before that guy tears an ACL or something, you know? Um, but, you know, the biggest differentiator is, is going to be definitely our labels, because, again, we offer that. I'm going to use custom, but it's not even quite custom. But we have different options for collectors. And then, you know, just customer service. We really, really lean on customer service being the best that we can be. 
Um, if you email us, you're going to get an email back very quickly. If you call us, we're going to answer the phone. Um, um, we're right there for you. One neat thing I think you guys do is that you only have one price. It doesn't matter if the card's a, a $5 card or a $5,000 card or a $500,000 card. It's just one price for the grading uh, in your, your popular service. Why don't you uh, let it, your, uh, my listeners know what service levels you guys have uh, to offer. Yeah, good, uh, good point too. And so we do offer that at that one price, right? Because we feel if that's a $1,000 card or a $5 card, it's going through the same exact grading process. So we don't feel like we, it, it's right to charge, you know, a hundred or 200 or $300 just because the card's worth more. It's the same process for us. It doesn't change at all. Um, but the, the service levels that we offer is we offer what we call a walkthrough which is a one to two business day uh, service at $60. We offer a 10 day service, uh, what we call rapid, and that's $30 per card. Or our most popular is the 30 day plan, um, the 30, 30 day service rather, and that's $16 a card. If you hit 10 cards, which is very easy to hit, we call that bulk. A lot of companies it's 20, 30 cards plus, for us it's 10. And then you get that down to $15 a card or $28 a card uh, on, on that 10 day service. We also offer um, reslab and um, so like maybe, maybe you've got uh, one of the older uh, TGA labels and you want to upgrade to maybe a T match or something like that. You can get it reslabbed. Or um, another popular service that we offer is the authentic service. So we will maybe you have a, a card in your collection. You've had it since you were seven years old, like myself, right? But that thing, that thing's seen better days. It's in rough shape. You don't want to look at a two or three grade on it. Well, send it in, we'll encapsulate it, we'll put the label on it, and we'll put a nice authentic label on it as well to make sure that you, you know it's an authentic card and uh, you can feel good knowing it's protected for the rest of time. One of the cool things that I really liked about your website, and we're talking about tgacards.com, is you have an online slab designer. That, that, that's a, a, new, a unique service I think you guys offer. Yeah, totally innovative. Um, no one else offers something like this. Um, and it's harder on the sports side because we rely on public APIs to pull the data from. So you're not going to see, we, we have a selected group of sports cards on there. We can't pull out every set from all time because, as you know, there are millions <laughs> of cards out there. Sports, right? Unlimited. Um, but our TCG, yeah, unlimited, yeah. But, you know, we do really well in TCG, like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff like that. So they're able to pull out any card from any year, from any set and virtually slab the card before they submit it to get a better understanding of how it's going to look. That's really cool. We're talking to Mark LeMay. Mark is president of the grading authority. That is TGA. It's called TGACards.com is their website. And they are a New Hampshire company. They offer a newsletter. You can sign up for a free newsletter. Um, and they've been in, in business since 2021. I could see, I got that. I was listening, Mark. <laughs> yeah, year and a half now. Yeah, you're listening. And uh, they offer sixteen day, sixteen dollar uh, grading on any card. Doesn't matter what the value is. Uh, Thirty day turnaround is kind of their most popular one. They also have uh, quicker submissions if you need it. Mark, how would a collector go about submitting a card to you guys? Uh, great question. So we actually have on our website a really informative tool, right? So I'm just going to go on the website with you. Under the main header where those images scroll, you see a and the website, guys, is TGA Cards, TGACards.com. Yeah, TGACards.com. Right under the header images, you see that section that says how it works. And there's four steps. 
So what we're doing, we're, we're trying to hold your hand a little bit and guide you through the process. Because sometimes if you've never submitted cards before to grading, it can be daunting. It, you know, you can be filled with anxiety because you're about to send your cards off. But on that number four on how it works, that's involved in best practices for submitting your cards. So we've made a video for everyone to, to get a better understanding what plastics to use, how to package it up, how to ship it out. It's all right there for you. We try to make it as easy as possible. All right, give me a horror story of what how somebody sent a card into you. Like, oh no, they they oh. sent it in, in their book reporter. You know what I mean? Um, we've seen we've seen some crazy stuff. I mean, um, I I can recall opening just a box with just loose cards in it, not in a penny sleeve, not in a top loader, just loose cards or uh, no plastics with rubber bands around them. Uh, we, we've seen it all. But um, most people, you know, they, they have the wherewithal to be able to at least throw in a couple plastics. But um, the more, the, you know, as we go forward and we have a lot more customers coming back and we put these videos up to show people just to educate people on how to do it. We, we see the, the best ways to do it, you know, semi rigids with the little pull tabs and make it easy on the grading team. So um, it's getting better and better. Fortunately. We have the holiday season coming around and people might want to get uh, have a card graded for for their their favorite collector. Do you have a uh, offer, you know, gift certificates or some type of uh, of way that people can give a, a TGA uh, card as a as a gift to somebody? Yeah, absolutely. So right right now um, we do have gift cards online. They are available. They're very, very popular, especially during these holiday seasons. We do have a, quite a few of those that are moving out the door. So you can go right to our shop on our website on tgacards.com and you can get yourself a gift card and you can send it to whoever you'd like and we take care of the rest. It's very easy. Um, something else I'd like to offer your listeners is a, uh, a promo code. So if you go on tgacards.com and you type in TTMcast, you'll get 15% off any order and that includes gift cards. Thank you. That's very nice. We'll make sure we'll promote that. Uh, all the way through Christmas, guys. So if you want to save 15% off your grading at TGA Cards, just use the promo code TTMCAST. Thank you, Mark. That, that, that's very nice of you. And, and, and hopefully some of my listeners will take advantage of it. TGA, we're talking to Mark LeMay. Mark is president of TGA Cards, TGACards.com. They're a grading company out of New Hampshire, a New England company. So they're, they're local. Well, Mark, one of these days, I got to come up and, and see your operation because I'm sure, yeah. sure it's like... A, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with all these people sitting around grading cards. <laughs> Everyone has a blast here. I mean, so when we look to hire people, we're looking for not necessarily grading experience because that is nearly impossible to find in New England, but um, just passion for the, for the card industry, just passion. We're looking for collectors. So yeah, you come up, you're going to see uh, just a lot of people having a lot of fun all day long. What are some of the um, iconic cards that you guys have graded? I know you've only been around for about a year and a half now, but what are some of the iconic cards that TGA has graded? Oh, man, we've done uh, half a dozen or so um, Michael Jordan rookie cards, which being a you know, we've done Wayne Gretzky rookie card, which is definitely a high-value card. Um, probably the highest value has got to be uh, the – the contenders rookie ticket Tom Brady autograph. Nice. Which I don't even know where that's at now. The market goes up and down by the day, but that was an extremely big card. Um, and then we just see like 
just the coolest stuff coming in each and every day. Rookie cards from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I mean, we've done some cards from the 30s. Um, just, just every single day, I'm just, I'm just floored by by what we get to to see and put our hands on, and and just knowing that people out there, they're putting the trust in us to take care of their cards and, and get them back to them that quickly and and protected. Now, I know you've been working with George Scott uh, the third. That's George Scott the Boomer's yeah. son. And uh, how how um how has he been helping you promote the company and and, and how is he uh, what what has he done to help your the company grow? So good question. So George um, and and maybe this is like a, a little official news release here, but George is now part of Team TGA. He's uh, an official partner with the company, and this just happened a couple weeks ago. Maybe maybe about three weeks ago, George came onto the team. And um, George is, is a guy like no one else. He's got a lot of energy, uh, as, you, as you know. He's got energy, he's got stories, but he's also got a lot of great connections. And he's opening doors for us that we might not have been able to open otherwise. So, you know, we're having conversations with, with people, like with athletes. I mean, we have some stuff coming down the pipeline, which I'm, unfortunately I can't announce now, but uh, you know, as we enter January and February, we're going to be announcing some really, really cool stuff. Um, just a little hint is we are teaming up with uh, some of the biggest athletes that, you know, we grew up watching. Uh, Very cool. And this is all a result of, of George's, uh, you know, relationships with, with a lot of these athletes. Um, as you know, George, you know, came up with the, with the Boston Red Sox. He grew up at Fenway Park with his dad. Uh, you know, being a Red Sox Hall of Fame first. He was a Red Sox organization himself until he had that injury. Um, so he's got a lot of great connections and uh, we're working on some some crazy projects right now, stuff that I would have never dreamed of. Um, so he, he's bringing he's bringing the energy, he's bringing the passion, he's bringing uh, his relationships. Do you guys, I know you do standard card size cards, but do you also have um, off-size cards that you grade in terms of, you know, tall boys and, you know, NFL game day cards yeah. and some of the different cards and even, even the, the mini cards that, that, you know, you might get in an Allen Ginter. Do, do you do uh, off size yeah. cards as well? Yes. Uh, to an extent, right? So we do um, uh, thick cards uh, up to 180 point and we do not quite the tall boys, but there was a series of cards that came out. I want to say they were in the fifties. I want to say they were in the fifties. They were just, a little bit bigger than the regular cards, but not quite tall boy size. Okay. You just like the Ginters and stuff. We don't have um, enough of those coming in for us to invest in that, um, those slabs. But what we do, because if we put it in a regular slab, the card's going to move around, it's going to shift, and we don't right. want any potential damage. So we do put an inner sleeve on those, and we weld that inner sleeve within the window of the slab. So those cards don't move around. Aesthetically, it's probably not as nice as having without the inner sleeve, but it's fully protected and, and, and on display in a nice way. We're talking with Mark LeMay. Mark is president of the grading authority. That's TGA. They at TGACards.com. And we just found out Mark is offering 15% discount, guys, on, on uh, grading to TTMcast listeners, you just use the code TTMcast, which is awesome. And we will, Mark will promote that all the way through the holidays. That includes gift cards. So if you want to get a gift card for your, your fellow collector or, or, you know, somebody that, that wants to try out uh, TJA, TJA, it's a great way to try them out. They, uh, 
upgrade. Basically, $16 uh, for a 30-day turnaround is their most popular one, but they also have other service levels as well. Uh, so if you really need a card graded for the holidays, they can do up to what what day or two days turnaround, right, Mark? Yes, we can. And if you're local, you can come on into the shop um, and you can just wait for your cards to get graded. We can grade them on the spot, you know, give us 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how many you have. And you can walk out with your cards as well. That's really cool. How many um, how many shows do you plan on doing next year? I know you've done a few shows this year. Are you planning to be out in, out in the hobby in 2023? And what has been the response from collectors? Because, you know, you, you guys are out there trying to sell your name and you're still filling a new company. Uh, what's yeah. been the response to, to collectors from collectors when they learn about you guys? That's a great question, Jeff. So the shows are uh, an extremely important piece to us growing and building that trust and relationship with the community. So we've done, I don't even, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm guessing we've done, you know, 30 or 40 shows in 2022. Um, I definitely want to try to double that in 23. So, and to kick off the year, January 7th, we're going to be going to uh, Springfield Mass, the New England card show. Um, and that's going to have Robert Parrish there. Um, and it's going to have Jim Calhoun from the, the Huskies, the Hall of Fame coach from the Huskies, uh, UConn Huskies, that is. Um, we're going to be there. We're going to be um, one of the premier partners for the, um, the trade night at the Basketball Hall of Fame. So this is going to be a great show, uh, 10 to 5 on January 7th. That's how we're going to kick off the year. And then we're going to just going to keep pumping. All, we're going to keep our foot on the gas all year. And what we do, Jeff, at our shows, and this is what really makes us um, – something special at these shows we have people that will literally line up to come in just to see us and they're bringing boxes of cards because what we offer is we offer live grading on the spot a lot like beckett used to do with their raw mm -hmm. grade reviews so we're doing the same thing i mean we can't encapsulate the cards at all these shows because logistically it's very difficult to bring around a, a 600 pound welding machine and we need 220 volt power so it's tough but what we do is we we grade the cards on the spot uh, and we seal, we put it in a semi-rigid and seal it off with one of our tamper-proof stickers. Um, and that way, you know what you have for a grade. And if you should, you decide to submit it to TGA, you are, you know what you're getting. It's guaranteed to get that grade. And these live grades, uh, it's popular. People love doing it. It's fun. A lot of people, what we see is they get their card graded live on the spot, and then they run off onto the floor and try to work up some deals because they know their card's a 10, you know, so... Um, we're going to actually kick that up a notch too in 23. We're going to add some more exciting things to our table. So, you know, when you get a 10, everyone's going to know you get a 10. Um, and we're going to add some extra technology at these shows as well to show people that we are serious about grading your cards. You Do you offer the same uh, grading scale that all the other card companies do, the, the one through 10 basically? And um, are you grading on the same four points? And do you offer, um, you know, grade, what, what do they call them? When they, they grade, you know, you, you, you get the card and they give you the, the subgrading. It gives you, you get, do you get the subgrade as well? Yeah. So good question. So we don't, we don't abide by the same grading scale as everyone else. We're a little bit different. And I say this because we've seen um, when we opened this company, we decided to write a grading scale based on what we feel is, is authentic and is true and what should be because we've seen so many cards out there. I'm not going to mention grading company names, but it, you know, there are, there are three letter names. PSA. Um, <laughs> see i did it for you 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 look at the card and it's a 10 but you're like how on earth is this a 10 like the centering is so far off or that you can clearly see a scratch or the the corners are dented like and, and it just it devalues a 10 right and so we are a little bit more harsh on our grading and we, what we found is our customers they love that 
they love that we're a little bit more serious, a little bit more harsh about it because they know when they get a 10, it's truly a 10. Like it's, that's a good card. So, um, but yeah, we do great on the same parameters, corners, centering, surface, and edges. Um, we, at, so it's a one through 10 grading scale with um, 0.5s. So okay. much like uh, much like you see with like SGC, sure. Uh, we don't have subgrades at the moment. However, we've already uh, baked them into our system uh, at like ninety percent right now. We just got to cross the, uh, the 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 goal line here to get them in place. Um, they're already designed on the labels. We just need to push them out at this point. Um, and it's just it's a lot of work because we have had to retrain the staff on how to grade with subgrades because it is it is different. Uh, but those are coming. Those are coming very soon. How um, have you, are you doing, using any computer enhanced for enhancement for grading in terms of AI, or is it basically just, uh, you know, human human grading of cards, or, or is it a combination of both? You know, the good question too, Jeff. So we actually went through testing with AI, and what we found was it was very inconsistent. And, and I was a big proponent of bringing AI in. I wanted it because like it's it's the future and I'm a big tech geek. Um, so I wanted the AI, but unfortunately it was very inconsistent and a very, very big expense. So at the end of the day, I couldn't justify the amount of money that it was going to take to bring AI in knowing that it was gonna be that inconsistent. It would slow down our processes because now we'd still have to have a human grader look at it anyways. So uh, right now our team, we're people, we're collectors, we're people. And each grader that grades a card, it goes to the next grader to confirm its grades. So it goes through two hands, um, your primary grader, and then your head grader confirms that the grade is right. Um, but we use uh, a combination of um, magnification tools, um, different types of lighting, as well as uh, these tools that really drill in um, from a microscopic level. Um, and this is, we bring those in more on the vintage cards because those, those really need that extra look, especially on surface and stuff like that. So uh, we use a combination of technology right now, uh, but not currently in any AI. And, and again, it's not something I felt was, was impressive at all. Have you been seeing more uh, fake cards come through? I know it's been a problem in the last year, year or so with the, with the hobby. Have you been seeing a lot more fake cards trying to get slipped through the, the, crack, the crack, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, we have seen quite a few, um, you know, and to a point where we had to now develop a, a little sheet that goes along with your submission back to you explaining, explaining why, um, you know, I, I've, I've gone with grading companies before and they sent me back the card and they just said, like, do not hold or do not grade with no explanation. And I'm like, well, what, what's going on? What, what's wrong with it? So now we send it back with an explanation. So, you know, okay, I see it now. You know, type of situation, but yeah, I've seen a, a big increase, especially in um, in in the TCG space. Sports cards, we we see a, a decent amount, but definitely more in TCG. Do you guys plan on authenticating uh, autographs or um, gra uh, gradings and slabbing unopened packs and some of the other other things that are out there, ticket stubs, that kind of stuff? Ah, I love it. I love it, Jeff. We already authenticate autographs as long as they're on card. Um, we don't have the capabilities to. Uh, or I shouldn't say that we do have the capabilities. We're just not quite ready to do like baseballs and things like that. Um, we rely on our good friends over at JSA to, to handle that sort of stuff, right? Yep. Um, but we do authenticate autographs on a if it's on a card, we got it. 
uh, as far as can I just can I just ask you, is that including um, cards that people get through the mail or in person or is that strictly just. No, no, that's that's exactly what I mean, because if it's coming from the manufacturer sign they're 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 authenticating it essentially, right? right? If, if it's an in-person autograph, maybe you're at the Fenway Park and, and you got Xander to sign a card, you sent it in. Yes, we do authenticate those cards. Um, and then, you know, packs, uh, grading sealed packs and things like that. That's definitely absolutely coming down the line. That's in the future, very near future. Very cool. We're speaking with Mark LeMay. Mark is president of TGA Cards. It's TGA, the grading authority. They have TGACards.com. Just a couple things, guys. First, if you want to save 15% off uh, your first grading with, with, with Mark and TGA Cards, just go to TGACards.com. You could follow the steps to submit your cards. And when you put in the, they're going to ask you for a promotional code, TTMCAST. Use that. You'll get 15% off. Also, we're going to give away three graded cards. Mark has kindly given away, given us three graded cards. So we're going to give away three graded cards from TGA to three different listeners. So all you have to do is send me an email. Sorry, Drew, because my, my co-host Drew has to put give up the email address, but I'm going to give it out anyway. It's ttmcast at yahoo.com. ttmcast at yahoo.com. Just put TGA cards in the subject line. And uh, we're going to give those away before the holidays. So you might you may be able to get your uh, your card, your free card from TGA before the holiday. And Mark, again, has given us, uh, given graciously given us 15% off to all our listeners. Just use the code TTMCAST. Mark is in New Hampshire. They have a, a newsletter, free newsletter you can sign up for. So go sign up for the newsletter. Also, they have a royalty program. Why don't you tell people about your royalty program, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So we want to create a rewards program to reward people that for doing various actions throughout the website. So all you gotta do, create an account and you automatically get, I want to say it's 100 points just for creating an account. And then as you do different things, as you make purchases or as you, uh, if you, we actually have a daily login. So if you just log in every single day, you're going to get 10 points every single day. Um, and I got plenty of, plenty of customers that do just that. And as we keep moving forward, so this this website just rolled out a couple weeks ago. We had it we had it refreshed. But as we move forward throughout uh, the rest of the year into the new year, we're going to add extra incentives throughout the website. So you complete certain things, and you can unlock different rewards. And that could be as simple as sharing a blog. You know, that could be as simple as uh, making a purchase or or anything like that. So yeah, you can get rewards, or you can join the royalty club. Uh, which is $29.99 a month or $2.99 a year. What that's going to get you, that's going to get you expedited service levels. That's going to get you uh, monthly free upgrades on labels. That's going to get you um, mystery packs, one mystery pack per month. So you can pick sports, you can pick TCG, and you're going to get a, a mystery pack, which includes one graded card, um, at least a nine. And there are no base cards. So you can get autograph cards, rookie cards, patch cards, anything like that. Yeah, there might um, be some George cards, months. George Scott cards in that in there. <laughs> you might start seeing some George Scott cards, yes. Some of those boomer packs, right? Um, but yeah, so it's just kind of a, a different way to uh, you know offer some extra rewards, expedited service discounts. Uh, you don't have to hit the bulk level if you're a royalty club member. It's just fifteen dollars a card, uh, and then we do like monthly specials and theme specials on throughout um, the, the months on social media and especially in our Discord channel. So if you guys are on Discord, I definitely recommend you checking out our Discord. Uh, it's a great group of people. 
Thank you, Mark. We're talking with Mark LeMay. Mark is president of The Grading Authority. That's TGA, tgacards.com. Go check it out, guys. couple things. We're going to be giving away three free cards. One, Three, three different uh, listeners will get a, a card graded by TGA. So send us an email at ttmcast.yahoo.com. Put TGA in the subject line. We are going to draw draw those winners uh and we'll announce them next week mark is also offering to everybody all ttm cast listeners 15 percent off all you have to do is just go on it's pretty easy you just sign up follow the steps to submit the cards and you'll get 15 percent off use the code ttm cast mark is going to be at the new england card show in january january 7th if you're in the new england area make sure you stop by i'm sure he'll be at shows all across the country you can uh Reach out to Mark on his on the website, tgacards.com. If you have any questions, you can just submit a question through them about grading or about uh, TGA. Give them a try. Young company. They're doing all sorts of cool stuff. Sign up for their newsletter. It's free. You can get know what's going on with the, the, the company. It, the best thing, guys, it's only $16. doesn't matter if your card's worth $5 or $5,000 or $500,000. $16, 30-day turnaround. Pretty cool. If you need something for Christmas, they can do that as well for a little more money. Also, there's gift cards, all sorts of stuff. A great young company. Check it out tgacards.com mark lemay thank you for your time thank you so much Jeff. it was great talking to you all right guys we have a legend on the line a, le- a legend is joining us and his name is george scott the third you might ever heard remembered that name george scott his dad played for the red sox george is working with the grading authority tga tga cards we're going to talk to him a little about grading cards about his dad about collectibles so welcome to the program george Hey, nice to be here. I don't know about a legend, Jeff. Pops was definitely a legend, but I'll have to thank you. <laughs> no, you're. Uh, how about chip off the old block? You're a legend in work and training, there right? You go. There you go. <laughs> well, you know what? We're talking to. We just had Mark Lemay on talking about uh, TGA, and I, uh, you know, he he let the cat out of the bag that you'll be working with them and uh, helping them grow the company. How did you become acquainted with TGA and the the grading authority? And how do you see your, your input in, in helping them grow? Well, you know, I, I started, it's funny. Um, Mark Hoyle, when I'm sure he's one of your followers, um, you know, wait, 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 no, a true legend. That's a true legend. Mark Hoyle, the true legend. Hey, he definitely, he's a red thought collectible legend. Absolutely. Uh, so he tried to get me into uh, collecting. Um, I, I really didn't collect as a, as a child. Um, you know, I was always at the baseball field, so I, I took it for granted. Never really started my collection until um, probably this year after I uh, meet Mark. And so I went to the national convention, and I was sitting down with PSA and had some wonderful conversations with them. So I started doing uh, business with them and collecting, and all of a sudden I seen TGA online. So we started talking and um, one thing led to another and now we're working together. Um, it's, a, it's a great business. I mean, I just literally love collecting. I'm, I'm literally addicted at this point now. And um, so now we're trying to take our digital assets, of uh, Red Sox players, um, Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, ex, um, major league players, and we're turning them into digital collectibles that are authenticated. And uh, meeting with Mark is just a great guy, great company, and um, we're seeing where we can take this. Yeah, I mean, they're a young company. They're out of New Hampshire, and, and Mark gave us a little background on the company. We're talking, of course, about the grading authority, TGA Cards. Mark offered uh, this great deal. I don't know if you know about it, George. 
any all um TM TTM cast listeners can save 15% off the TGA grading. All they have to do is use the code TTM cast and they can they save 15% all the way through the end of the uh year, which is kind of cool. Have you sent, submitted any cards to TGA or any other grading companies? Yes, absolutely. I, I've done a lot of business with PSA in the last six months, and I just actually shipped two big shipments off the TGA um, this month. Nice. What, what are some of the cards? Yeah, I know you had, I saw a couple of your dad's cards out there. What are some of the cards you're getting graded? Oh, I have a pretty extensive collection. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, um, a lot of Ricky Henderson, a uh, lot of a lot of vintage stuff, and then you know also have the you know the Aaron Judd, all the um, the modern day stuff. Also, yeah. I mean, it, literally, Mark has me addicted. So it would take me an hour to go through everything I sent to him. That, that's very cool. Well, George uh, Scott the third, his dad played for the Red Sox and Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Yankees. In the sixth season into the seventies, and I think it was 1980 his last season. Uh 79. Yep. 79, 79 was the last season. Yeah, retired with uh with the Yankees in 79. Yeah, so he he was a, a multi-all-star. And uh as a kid, do you remember uh seeing him play much? I remember toward the tail end, I was actually one of the ball boys in the third third base line with Kansas City. He played a quick uh, short stint with Kansas City in 79. Um, so I, I used to fly back and forth to Kansas City to be with my father. I was, you know, um, remember I'm nine, ten years old. And um, but uh, yeah, I do remember a little bit of Milwaukee when it was the Red Sox. I, I was so young. I mean, I remember clips, but um, but towards that is career, the uh, Royals, Yankees, yeah, absolutely. And George actually played in the Red Sox minor league system for for a few years before he got hurt. Um, what what was your your take as a minor league ball player? Oh man, it's it's a long sad story. I was getting drafted by Oakland and in, um, in nineteen ninety one, I ended up blowing my knee out uh, two months before the draft. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, I came back. The Red Sox ended up doing my knee surgery, and after I was healthy, they signed me as a free agent. Uh, I'm small. I'm short. I'm only five seven. And so when I lost my speed, speed was my game. Yeah. Speed was definitely my game. They were grooming me to take over Ricky's spot in uh, 1991. And once I lost my, once I blew my knee out, it, it kind of took my, all my weapons away. So I played a couple of years in the minor league, but uh, knee was never the same. But you always had a love for baseball, obviously that, that, that came from your dad, I'm sure. And um, did, what, what advice did he give you coming up? you know, as a, as a, a youngster, did he give you some advice to help you out? Oh yeah. My, my, my father, he lived, breathed baseball. So, uh, I mean, we used to train day in and day out, um, three times a day, weight training, uh, a lot of swimming and then uh batting cage work. I mean, he, he was a grinder. So, um, he was one of the hard workers baseball players I've ever, ever seen ever. Do you have any in contact with any of his former teammates or, or uh, I know you, you do some stuff with the Red Sox. So do you have any for- contact with any of his former teammates? Um, I mean, throughout the years, I've, you know, I've, ta- I've talked to a lot of them. Um, Yaz was a minor league coach um, when I played. Uh, Jim Rice, um, Reggie Jackson. Um, who else? Let me think. Um, Hank Garen was a very good friend of my father's. Um, sure. I, 
Yeah, I met Hank years ago when they played together uh, with the Brewers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so many, so many different names. Him and Reggie Jackson were very good friends, also. But did now uh, your dad pass down any uh, memorabilia to you? Do you have any of his, any of his stuff from his playing days? Oh yeah, my my father was a heavy collector. Um, I have a lot of Reggie Jackson items, um, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. Yeah, he he was he was a very heavy collector. We're speaking with George Scott, George Scott the third. He was uh, he was uh, the boomer, George Scott's son, and he played a couple seasons in the minor leagues. And now he's working with the grading authority. It's TGACards.com. Go to TGACards.com as a TTMcast listener. You can save 15% using the code TTMcast when you check out. And it's really cool. It's only $16 for a 30-day uh, turnaround on grading. And um, they're, they're a new company out of New England. They're out in New Hampshire. And George is going to be working with them, helping them uh, grow the business. What are your plans to help uh, with TGA? And what do you how do you see the, the company growing in, in the new year? Well, right now, what we're doing, we're trying to negotiate with the Red Sox to actually get a booth. Uh, a TJ booth in Fenway Park. Um, it's not a done deal, but we have negotiations with that as we speak. Um, also, what we're trying to do is have some Fenway Park outings throughout the season. So if you're a community member of TGA, uh, we'll be having a lot of get-togethers this season at Fenway Park. That's really cool. I know they have a, a, a program. It's a royalty program. It's a um... It's a, I guess it's a, a, a club, right? It's a, a, a people that are in that, that have been using TGA that have been signed up for TGA. And I bet part of the royalty program, you'll get uh, access to these exclusive events, which, which is kind of neat. And I know you, you, you've given away a couple of your dad's uh, uh, authenticated cards, TGA authenticated cards on social media. Do you have plans to give away more of those? Absolutely. I, I, would, I would love if you would give away um, one of your uh, listeners um, a, a TGA authenticated card of my father. Yes. Well, that'd be and, great. We're going to actually we're going to this week, we're going to be giving away three graded card packets. So this is going to be three. You get three cards graded by TGA and we have we have three packets to give away. So you guys can register. You can send an email to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Just put TGA in the subject line and you can register to win for that. And then I think maybe next week we'll give away a, a graded George Scott card. That'd be great. Absolutely. That'd be wonderful. And like I said, we once the season starts, we will be having uh, ticket giveaways also for our community members. Do you have any favorite cards of your dad's? Is there a card that you really like? I love his rookie card. The 66 love, or the yeah, 67? The 66. That, that, that's my favorite. The 66 rookie card. I like the gold cup one. I like the 67 one that you gave away. I think that's yeah. I think that's his best card. That is awesome. That is an awesome card also. Yes, I do love that. Now, I love it. I, I, I hate to say this on your show, but his Yankee card is, is very nice also. No. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that on your show. Just to stop because the reason being, you don't see it too often. No, I know. Too often, so it kind of catches my eye when I do see that. When you were a kid, did you go out and buy packs of cards, try to get your dad's card? Oh man, it, I had a funny conversation the other day with somebody. Once again, I, I didn't collect when I was a child. I mean, I took it for granted. It's horrible to say. But Hank Aaron was my one of my father's best friends. I mean, I must have had his card, but I, I never really collected them. I, I took it for granted. It was like you know, there were pictures of my father's friends. Yeah, and I, I wish I did take it more serious back in the days, but um, 
No, I, I really started collecting heavily this year. What do you like? What, I know you're a baseball guy, but uh, who do you like collecting? I, I love the vintage stuff. I mean, I keep the modern day stuff, um, you know, just because, you know, who can't collect the Aaron Judd? The things that some of these players are doing nowadays are amazing. But I, I love the the, um, the vintage, the Hank Aaron, um, the Willie Mays, Nolan Ryan stuff. Uh, just love that vintage. I love that vintage, the, the look, the feel of it. And um, uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Ted Williams. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the vintage stuff. The, do you, does your family shake your head and go, George, what are you doing here? You're, you're, you're not 12 years old anymore. Oh, no, a- a- absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of an old age to get addicted to collecting, but it is what it is. <laughs> well, what's speaking with George Scott the third? We, we call him Boomer, just like his dad. His dad, dad was nicknamed Boomer. Of course, he played for the Red Sox and the Brewers and the Royals and the Yankees. He was a multi-time all-star. He deserves to get in the Hall of Fame. We got to get a, com- a campaign going to get him, him and Beta Pinson in the Hall of Fame because they deserve to get in. Well, actually, um, Mr. Mark Hoyle has read a beautiful uh, submission that we are submitting for my father to be on the 2004 Classic Ballot. You look at his stats, George, and he, oh my God, he was, I remember when he was playing for the Brewers, he would come up and you'd just be like, don't pitch to this guy because it's going <laughs> over the fence. He was such an awesome presence. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. I mean, he was, uh, he, he was something. He, he just loved the game of baseball. You know, As a kid, I mean, that's all he talked about, baseball, baseball. You know, he just loved the game and he, he was a hard worker. I mean, players back then, they, they, they didn't play for the money. They played for the love of the game. You know what? And he can't, that came across as, as a player to the fans. You know what I mean? You, he would come on and your face would just smile because he'd be smiling and having a good time and talking to the guys. And you're like, this guy's just having a, the time of his life. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's too bad he, he hasn't been recognized by the, the Hall of Fame. I hope he gets in. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, definitely we're going to be submitted in, uh, in the 2023 series. Uh, for the acknowledgement to uh, to be on the 2024 Classic Ballot. Well, we have a lot of things to look forward to from you for the TGA, the Grading Authority. They are TGACards.com. We recommend you guys check them out. You can get, save 15% off of grading until the end of the year using the code TTMCAST. Go to TGACards.com. We have all sorts of cool raffles. We're going to give away some free grade TGA grades. George is going to give away a... a a graded card of his dad. Um, it's a it's a young company out of New Hampshire. George, I'm going to head up there. I think after the new year to see their operation. It's pretty it's pretty impressive. I think. Yeah, they they, they do a wonderful job. I mean, Mark and Jason are very dedicated to the uh, what they do. And uh, and you know, when I see guys like that, young guys who drive like that, any way I can help them, uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to do that. Especially with them being a New England company, also, which is uh, makes it even more, um, you know more for the Red Sox to get involved and I just love it. I mean, it's, it's a passion of mine. So I'm going to dive deep in whatever, whatever they need. All right, guys, George Scott, third, George Scott, the boomer, go to (laughs) TGA cards.com. You can learn more about TGA. 
we're going to have the, some relationship with them, I think, over, the, you know, just interviewing them and getting and learning more what's going on. We'll have George on later in the year to talk a little more about his dad and about about collecting and, and seeing how he's doing. And hopefully we'll get some, some former Red Sox players on as well. So, George, I want to thank you for your time today. And, and I look forward to, to more conversations with you. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Well, Drew, I'm looking forward to going up to their place at the uh, after the new year to see. Uh, it's probably it's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You know, you go up there and all these people are up there grading cards, and um, they, they, you know, it's a young company and they're, they're trying to break into grading. And uh, I think it, they're sixteen dollars is their charge for the to grade a card. Doesn't matter what the value of the card is, and it's a thirty day turnaround. But make sure you enter our contest because we're going to give away three cards. Get three cards graded, and we we have three packets so uh, make sure you send an email to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Just put TGA in the subject line and we'll enter you into that contest. Next step, talking grading, we're going to talk about making the grade. Making the grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Well, Drew, making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. I just want to remind everyone that our friends at CSG have extended their sale through the end of the year. So you still have a couple more weeks to get involved. You get 20% off all grading services, which is a great deal. If you've been sitting on the sideline waiting, oh, should I get my card graded? Well, you know what? Now's the time. Go to csgcards.com. You can save 20% off all their grading services. doesn't matter what level you pick. So check it out. CSG cards, CSG uh, grading, they are... um, the sales through the end of the year. So um, I don't see them extending it. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I don't see them extending it. So now is the time. Uh, get it in before the end of the year. CSG cards save 20%. Got some uh, numbers in from PSA. They've been doing their weekly uh, numbers on how much they've been grading. And over the past seven days, 270,810 cards have been slabbed by them. So uh, Getting back to, you know, keeping it super busy here once again after we get kind of that's in the space here between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Last 30 days, over 1 million cards graded. The exact total, 1,016,531 cards. So uh, back up over that magic uh, seven-digit number right there for PSA over the last 30. We have some auction news from our friends at CSG. CSG graded uh, a 1952 Mickey Mantle as a CSG 8, and it recently sold at auction at S. CP auction for $1.25 million. That's the highest price realized by a CSG graded card. So congratulations to CSG. Drew, that was the 11th 1952 Mickey Mantle to sell for over $1 million, which is pretty cool. So congratulations, CSG uh, graded card eight. 1952 Mickey Mantle sold for $1.25 million in CSP auction. We got a, I got a, a news uh, release that press release sent to me by from PSA. So I lo- want to let you guys to know about this. This is kind of cool. PSA is partnering with Lupe, L-O-U-P-E. They're offering a new collector's club package. So the company, uh, CSG, is now offering $100 credit from Lupe when you join their collector's club. This has nothing to do with our sports collector's club radio, but... When you join their collector's club, which costs $99 to join, you get an annual subscription to their PSA magazine, which is a $49 value. You also get a free copy of the Dimeback Collection, which is uh, 
Tom Zapala's book, which is a $35 value, 170 page book. And you also get $100 credit from Lupe, which lets you buy um, stuff from Lupe on their site, including single cards, which is kind of cool. So make sure you check out, it's, you go to psacards.com. It is their collector's club. It costs like $99 to join, but you get what about 100 and let's say 150, $185 worth of stuff back. So it's not too bad. Check it out. Uh, PSA is partnered with Lupe and they're offering $100 credit uh, when you join their collector's club and it's $99 to join and you get all sorts of cool stuff. So check it out, psacards.com. Okay, Drew, I think that's done with, we're done with uh, making the grade. That was a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, I got quite a bit in there. Yeah, I like it though. Very cool. All right, guys, that ends uh, making the grade. Next up, can I use my radio voice, Drew? Go for it. Okay. TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. That was that was poor. That was so <laughs> poor. God, you do it. You do it much better. The TTM Cast Stamp of Approval. <laughs> <laughs> you're the man. All right, Drew. What what what's your, what's your stamp of approval? Okay, well, mine is uh, found out about this brand of ice cream. It's Jenny's Ice Cream. J E N I apostrophe S. They're actually headquartered out of Ohio. They're from down in the Columbus area, so my uh, my stomping grounds there and everything. But found out about them. I don't remember where I'd heard about them originally, but um, I checked them out, tried out their stuff. They've got them at my local grocery store, and wow, it is. I'm usually a Ben and Jerry's snob, Ben and Jerry's aficionado. This tops that even. So uh, tried out a couple of their varieties. Found it at uh, Kroger's or at Tom Thumb down here, and uh, Whole Foods Market has it as well. It costs a bit more. I mean, you're talking like seven to nine bucks a pint for it, but it is completely worth it. So if you have it in your grocery store, I would highly recommend it. Try it out. Check it out. If you're in the mood to splurge on some ice cream, it's the best way to go, I think. I've had it. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Good. That, that's a good sample rule, especially winter time. My, my daughter, right, when she was little, she would pick the, like, the most snowiest, coldest day in February and say, Daddy, can we go get some ice cream? She always did it. And we'd be sitting there like it's like three below out. Yep. Ice cream in the winter. I love it. Good winter. It's gotta be it's gotta be a New England thing because I mean you look in Ohio and Dairy Queen closes down from September until like April or May or so. Meanwhile, up in Boston there, we had a Ben Jerry's scoop shop around the corner from Emerson there and you go there in January and they're still rolling. It's like, all right, perfect. I'll take it. So yeah, we have a a Max, it's called Max that uh next town over, it's you know, um just an old old style ice cream st- uh, stand. And in the middle of January, like we, we drove by uh, the other day and the place was packed. The line, it was, it, it's like 20 degrees out and the place is packed. My, that's my daughter. My daughter, my, anytime it was, it got cold. She was like, let's go get ice cream. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Stu. That's a good one. Jenny's ice cream. Uh, that's a great, great TTM cast stamp approval. Thank you. Well, mine is my TTM cast stamp approval is very special one. Uh, some guy sent me a song the other day and <laughs> I, I I played it and I was like, this is a great song. It rocks. It moves. It's, it's good. It's really good. I love the, 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 the intro. I love the, the whole uh, instrumental intro. The words are great. Well, I'm talking about Beethoven's Bastards. And they got this guy on the drums. His name is Drew Pelto. The thing moves. He keeps the thing moving. The song is called The Little Help. Little Help. L-I-L Help. 
And uh, we're going to play it for you right now. So please right. enjoy from Beethoven's Bastards with Drew Pelter on drums. A little help. Enjoy it. Okay, how many takes did it take to get that that song? Because it sounds awesome. It actually didn't take that long because well, we did it. Uh, we kind of la- we did it in uh, individual tracks, kind of layered it and everything. So uh, what we did first was I went in. We got a click track going, so I could you know keep the tempo easily. Just played in my ear there, and uh, I laid down the drum track to start it off with. Then our guitarist put the guitar part over it. Uh, they did the bass part over that, and then finally the uh, lead vocals over all that, and then just did all the production work on it. So. I nailed mine. I think it took, it may have taken me two takes on it. I may have stumbled a little bit in there at one point, but it didn't take too long. That's for sure. Well, you guys rock. Thanks. You really do. It's really a great song. It's really, it's catchy. Uh, I love the, I love the, the, the instrumentals. I love the, your, your lead vocal. It's very good. Call a little help. Drew, where, where can people find it if they want to purchase it? Pretty much everywhere. If you're on Spotify, you can look it up on Spotify. Uh, if you just do like, uh, I know we've got an Amazon music store, Apple music store should have it. 
Uh, YouTube has it to just look up Beethoven's Bastards. And I mean, it's our only song that we have so far yet out there. I mean, we've got two others that are in various stages of production right now. We've done a lot of the recording. I mean, I need to tweak a few things and then mix and master and all that. And then we're going to write a few more here coming up in January. But yeah, just look up Beethoven's Bastards anywhere you find any of your music for download and you can find it on there, whether uh, whether you buy it or whether you stream it. Check it out. Yeah, and after the new year, guys, we're going to have uh, Beethoven's Bastards as our, our intro and outro uh, music. Nice. I, 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 I just love it. It's, it's really, really great. So good job, Drew. Congratulations, guys. Check it out. Lil Help, Drew Pelto on drums, Beethoven's Bastards. That is my TTM cast stamp of approval. Next up, the Burn Rot Minute. Vern Rat Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rat, who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. And we do this as a, fellow, a service to our fellow TTMers to let people know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrity. We lost a bunch of people this week. Uh, first, we lost uh, Robert Jackie McLeod. Robert, uh, is Jackie McLeod is who he's, what he was known as. He was a right winger for the New York Rangers for five seasons in the NHL from 19. 19- 49 to 1955. He wasn't much of a TTMer. Um, Jackie McLeod was 92 years old. Uh, we lost Kurt Simmons this week. Longtime pitcher, spent about 20 years in the major leagues from 1947 to 1967. Uh, Kurt pitched for the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Angels. Excellent TTMer for a long time. Uh, he stopped signing around 2019 or so. He was having some health problems at that point. And uh, yeah, stopped signing after that. But great signer up until that point. Kurt Simmons was 93 years old. We lost Buddy Harris. Buddy Harris was a relief pitcher for the Houston Astros in 1970 and 71. And his first game, September 10th, 1970, against San Francisco, we gave up a two-run homer to Willie Mays. So, you know, if you have to give up a homer, I guess it has to be. It's good that it was Willie Mays. Right. Uh, Buddy Harris was a good TTMer. He um, passed away. He was 73. Uh, Tom Flanagan died this week. He was another pitcher. A shorter career for him. He only pitched three major league games. Two for the 1954 White Sox, one for the 1958 Cardinals, but he was an excellent TTMer as well. Uh, Tom Flanagan was 88 years old. We lost Sale Isaiah. Sale Isaiah. He was a guard for the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, and the New England Patriots from 1985 to 2000. He uh, didn't. He didn't sign any TTMs. Uh, Sale was 50 years old. Uh, Paul Silas died this week. Longtime NBA player and coach. Played with the Hawks, the Suns, the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Supersonics from 1964 to 1980. Long career there for him. 10,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and won three NBA championships. Two with the Celtics, one with the Sonics. Uh, Coached the Cleveland Cavaliers at one point uh, after his playing career was over. I know uh, he had a comment in a post-game press conference that uh, Mike Trevisano, the uh, late great radio host in Cleveland, loved using as a drop in uh, his shows anytime. Uh, Silas was saying something was like, what is I, what am I speaking Chinese or something like that? So <laughs> Triv loved using that as a drop, but uh, Silas was uh, his last TTM was in 2012. He was 79 years old. We lost Mike Blake. Mike Blake was actually Toe Blake's nephew. He was a goalie wow. for the LA Kings from 1981 to 1984. He did not do TTMs. Mike Blake was only 66 years old. 
They go into the world of college football. We lost Mike Leach this week, head coach of the Mississippi State football team, also coached at Texas Tech and Washington State. A very sudden heart attack that uh, took him. Um, his last TTM was 2019, so occasionally a signer. He was 61 years old. We lost Grant Wall. Grant Wall was a, a writer, a soccer writer and a basketball writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, very famous, uh, uh, prolific writer, Was wrote a, a great story on LeBron James when LeBron James was in high school, I believe. He uh, passed away. He was at the uh, World Cup and he had an aneurysm. Um, he was only 49 years old. And uh, Clemente Lise and I talk about it in our interview. So if you, you, you know you listen to our interview, we talk a little about the past of Grant Wall. Grant Wall was only 49 years old. Uh, we lost Louis Orr this week, basketball player from 1980 to 88, played with the Pacers and the Knicks, 5,500 points in his career. So nice, uh, solid uh, several years in there. Good TTMer as well. Louis was 64 years old. Well, Drew, that wraps up the Burn Rap Minute. Next, we're going to talk a little TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Drew, you want to go first on returns or should I do it? Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, you're okay. going to hear a lot of Browns in this one. So I got a seven returns this week and uh, I'll just say six Cleveland Browns and one James Brown. So a whole lot of, <laughs> uh, whole lot of them in there, but going through the list there in order, when I got them, Darren Shiverini, he was a wide receiver for the uh, 1999 and 2000 Browns. Kind of just came out of nowhere in 99 to be, I believe it was the second leading receiver on the team. Kind of fell off pretty quickly after that, unfortunately, but I uh, got him back in a few weeks. Antonio Langham, who was the only player to play for both the original Browns and the uh, remake Browns, I guess you could say there. <laughs> Is that what we call them? Do we call them the remake Browns? I don't know what to call them, really. But yeah, it's uh, what, whatever the current Browns are, basically, there. But he was a 1994 draft pick of the original Browns. Played for them in 94 and 95 before moving with them to Baltimore. And then in the 99 expansion draft, the Browns picked him back up again. So he played a year or two there with... Uh, with both varieties of the Browns there. So I got him back, um, played Alabama as well. I got Ernie Kellerman, who was a defensive back for the Browns for, a, I think, back in the 60s and 70s, but I got him on a 72 tops card. Uh, James Brown, I mentioned him. He's, of course, uh, host of Fox NFL Sunday, used to be on uh, CBS before that, hosted the world's funniest on uh, Fox there for a while as well. Former basketball player at Harvard as well, back in... Uh, I think the 60s or 70s or so but uh, he signed uh, four cards for me very quickly two of them going to my friend chris i uh, got connor shaw back shaw was a browns quarterback in 2014 he was one of the backups to uh, johnny manzel that year started the last game of the year and that was the only nfl game he ever played was that start in the final game of the year played reasonably well in a loss to the Bengals. i uh, got felix wright who was a uh, safety for the browns in the late 80s to early 90s led the nfl in interceptions in 1989 quick return on him about maybe a week and a half and todd philcox who was uh, mostly a backup quarterback for the browns i think he may have been with the bengals before that but went from the bengals to the browns and uh, he was an unexpected starter for a few games in 1993 when the browns had vinnie testaverde and bernie kosar on the roster testaverde Ended up getting knocked out of a game against the Steelers with a separated shoulder. They put him out for a couple months. So the Browns turned things over to Bernie Kosar, and he they, he was able to get the win over the Steelers there. Lost the next two games, and uh, what ultimately was Bernie's demise in Cleveland was in a game against, I think it was against Denver, if I remember right. Bill Belichick called a play into the huddle. 
Bernie said, that play is ridiculous. I'm going to draw this one up in the dirt here. Literally draws a play in the dirt <laughs> in the huddle like it's playing a backyard game. The play goes for a touchdown. Belichick didn't like uh, that a Kosar did that and cut him the next day. So he's doing this while he still has his starter out injured, his backup he just cut. So now he's stuck with Todd Philcox as the starter. So Philcox ended up starting, I think, like five games that year. I think he went one and four that year, unfortunately, only as a starter, but did at least win one of those games in there. So uh, but yeah, doesn't, he was a quick doesn't surprise you at all, does it? Not in the slightest. I mean, yeah, it does not surprise me at all. But I did hear a story, though, about Bill Belichick about how much he that shows how much he hated um, Art Modell, though. And it was uh, when Belichick was a uh, Pro Bowl coach one year. I think he had to, uh, I don't remember if he had to like pick, I don't remember if he was picking the starters or picking like uh, backups or something like that for the Pro Bowl teams. But uh, Peter Bulware had a clause in his contract that if he got picked for the Pro Bowl, he got a $1 million bonus. And just to screw Modell out of a million dollar bonus, he made sure to pick Bulware for that team. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I heard that, I'm like, all right, I, I like Belichick awesome. a little bit more now because of that. But yeah, I got all those. Those are my seven for the week. I've got uh, two that are coming in today. I believe it's going to be a former Browns, Steve Holden and Kevin Johnson. Johnson being the wide receiver for the Browns, not the guard for the Cavs and the Suns. So. Cool. Very good. Well, I got, I had a pretty good week. They, they got, I actually got four yesterday. So this, they're, they're kind of file in here. I got um, Calvin Murphy on a 76 tops uh, basketball card. One of the tall boys. He signed a nice big uh, black, sharpie autograph with his number so that was kind of cool that one that one took i don't know maybe a month i got uh otis birdsong not otis birdsong carl birdsong otis birdsong's the basketball player carl birdsong is the uh pro bowl punter he played for the cardinals in the 80s and i got his 83 and 84 top cards signed in blue sharpie with a number and that took a couple weeks i got bob boone catcher bob boone on his 82 tops card in his 82 in action card uh, took about i don't know maybe a month and he signed it in blue sharpie i got carl harrison who was a defensive end for the philadelphia eagles on his 83 uh tops card I got, uh, larry mccarron who was a center pro bowl center for the green bay packers on his 83 tops card i also got paul kaufman who's going to be a future guest on the show next week he played for the, uh, he was a Pro Bowl tight end for the Green Bay Packers, and I got him on his 83 tops card. And I got Ronaldo Nehemiah. Remember Ronaldo? He was a fa fast wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Nice. We got him on an 83 uh, tops card. He wrote, Jeff, God is love, signed his name, Super Bowl champions 1984. So that was kind of cool. That, that took a couple weeks. I got Bill Berge on a, a Wonder Bread card. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw this. I picked up this card at a show for like a quarter. And I said, oh, that, that'll look good signed. So I sent that off and he signed it. I got Mike Nagy, who's another card that I picked up for a quarter at a show. Uh, Red Sox pitcher on his 71 tops card. And then I got uh, a return from Steve Owens, who was a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I sent his 76 tops card and he did not sign it. He now oh. he charges now. So I think he, okay. he used to be free. Yeah, because I got him on my Heisman Index card several years ago. So. Yeah, but he did not he did not sign my card. So I got the, my card back, but he did not sign it. Well, that wraps up my uh, TTM returns for the week. I sent out, I think I sent out a dozen on Monday or Tuesday. So I, I am done for the year. I'm not going to send any more out during the holidays. But uh, hopefully we'll get some more uh, returns. And make sure you follow my article, my weekly article on TTM and um, 
autographs on Sports Collectors Daily, where I post all my successes. Make sure you check that out. Well, Drew, that wraps up for returns. Next up is our weekly TTM Cast interview. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Joey, I had the privilege of talking with Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played, he was a place kicker, barefoot place kicker. Uh, I think he's uh, our third kicker that's been on the show. I know I talked to Morton Anderson and we talked to, uh, uh, well, uh, Rick Rick Carlos. Rick Carlos, yeah. Rick Carlos I talked to. So I think he's my third kicker that we've talked to. And uh, we talk kicking, we talk about... um, you know, coming, coming up through the NFL and he played for the Eagles. He played for the giants and he played for the Falcons. And we also talk about uh, signing autographs to the mail. So please enjoy my interview with Paul McFadden. Enter to win one of the most coveted rookie cards in basketball. CSG is giving away a 2003-2004 Topps Chrome LeBron James rookie card, graded a CSG Gen Mint 10. Here's your chance to add one of the greatest players to your collection. To enter, visit csgcards.com today. For your favorite current player for your PC, CSG has got you covered. Learn more about all CSG has to offer at csgcards.com. I'd like to welcome to the show in a tie, no less. He, I think he's my first guest that I've ever had in a tie. <laughs> and I'm talking about Mr. Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL as place kicker for the Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, and Atlanta Falcons from 1984 to 1988. He was the UPI Rookie of the Year in his rookie season in 1984 for the Philadelphia Eagles. The season he hit 30 field goals he is a barefoot kicker and we're going to talk to him about that and he is now currently president of the youngtown state university foundation so he went back to his alma mater and is doing yeoman's work for youngtown state welcome to the program paul great to be here jeff thank you for the invitation first you're look you're a college guy you're a smart guy what's up with the barefoot in, in, in Ohio and Philadelphia? <laughs> My friends would never tell you I'm smart. It just, <laughs> I'm on a college campus, but you know, when, when I was playing, there was Rich Carlos and Mike Lansford and Tony Franklin and myself, there was four out of 28 teams. We, we thought it was a trend that was going to catch on and you know, it disappeared. It went away, which back in our day, we, we were a good percentage of the league. I know it's so strange, Paul, because you guys had such great success. The the, the four of you really had great success and all uh, very long, uh, successful careers as barefoot kickers, but it kind of just went by the wayside. It, it faded away, and I'll, I'll always credit Tony Franklin because he was the pioneer. You know, when I started doing it, people were like, wow, that's pretty wacky. You're not wearing a shoe. But I could at least say, well, if you turn on the TV, you see a guy down at Texas A&M doing it. You know, when Tony did it, he he was the forerunner. It had to be really hard to be the first guy, and then he blazed the trail for the for the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I remember Tony here in New England, and, and I just, as as a youngster, I just shook my head like it's so cold there in New England in in December and January. But he he was always a clutch kicker. Did you do anything to prep your foot when you when you were uh, when you were kicking? Does, does was there some any special ointments you put on or something that you 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 made your foot? Uh, Better for click kicking? No, I really just kept my body warm, kept my foot warm. I always use the analogy if, if, you know, sometimes when you're in high school on your way home, walking home from school and you had a snowball fight, you may not have gloves, but you can hold a snowball for a minute barehanded. 
Well, you, you could go out on the field and you have your foot cold for two minutes and still get the kick in. You know, you're not horribly frozen. So uh, as long as you got back to the sideline and warmed it back up again, it wasn't much of an issue. It, does it to the point where you just became more comfortable without the shoe on? And, and, uh, and did you feel more confident? Because I know kicking is a lot of mental, right? It's just re repeating that same muscle action. And, and it's a lot of a mental uh, being comfortable in, in, out on the field without a shoe. Very mental. I just, I was, I had a better feel for the ball barefoot. That just helped me. And, and once I navigated to it, I never went back and went barefoot the rest of my career. Uh, but, but kicking is extremely mental because, uh, boy, once the wheels come off the cart, if you stop believing and, you know, you're in a slump, boy, it is so hard to shake those demons out of your head and, and get back on track. And, and conversely, boy, when things are rolling, you're just, it's like, this is easy. You know, this is easy. It's just yep. right now and everything's clicking. So it, it's very, very mental. A lot like golf, I think, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like putting, right? It's kind of yeah. like putting. Golfers get off, off track. You know, they look like amateurs, you know, so. Do you do you watch the games now and you see a kicker that has had great success and all of a sudden he misses one or two and you're like, uh-oh, he, he's, he's going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, you know, I was honored the last four years. My son kicked here at, at Youngstown State, so I got to watch him. And he had such high hopes for this season. And he started one for three. Oh, wow. Boy, it's really tough. And then we had a bye week, so he had to sit around for two weeks and think about that. Well, he rebounded. He had a really good season. And I was like, that shows a lot of strong mental fortitude that he was able to shake those demons off and come back. You know, I was going to ask you about this later, but I think it, it falls in with what we're talking about. Um, the one thing as a, a, a fan, you know, well, you're watching the game and even last night they called timeout to try to ice the kicker. Is that something that really affected you when you were on the field? Did that did a timeout uh, kind of ice you and, uh, you know, things, you know, jumped into your head or didn't really have any effect on you? But Jeff, I've had this conversation with a lot of kickers um, in college. I think the timeout's very effective. Certainly in high school, I think the timeout's very effective. In the NFL, I appreciated the timeout. It gave me a little more time to get settled, look for my line. If I was an NFL head coach, I wouldn't call the timeout. I, I, I think it's better just to throw them out there and have them make the kick straight away. Plus, always in the back of your mind when you're out there and you know they have a timeout in their back pocket, it bothers you a little bit because you're like, I know they're going to call timeout. I know yeah. they're going to call timeout. So just don't call it. Play poker and don't call it. And, I think that'd be more effective in the NFL. College and high school, call timeout. We're talking with Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL as a kicker. He, came, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles out of Youngstown State, Ohio, Youngstown State University in the 12th round. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles from 84 to 87, the New York Giants in 1988, and the Atlanta Falcons in 1989. So he uh, he made it around a little. He played. He was the UPI uh uh, offensive, what was it, offensive rookie of the year for straight rookie of the year, right? You were rookie of the year in 1984. It was NF NFC rookie. NFC rookie of the year in 1984, yeah. which, is, which is unheard of for a kicker. Uh, just talking to you, coming from college to professional, I mean, you got you got drafted late in the draft, but they dra the Eagles drafted another kicker before you, so a competition must have been really stiff for you. And actually, in that training camp, uh, the, the other draftee and myself, we were behind uh, Jimmy Asman. Jimmy had been in camp two previous years with the Eagles and beaten out Tony Franklin. Uh, but Jimmy earned the reputation of choking in the preseason games. <laughs> well, I was third on the depth chart. The guy in front of me was second. 
And uh, that was a long training camp, Jeff. That was a long uphill battle. To, to I'm win. sure. Yeah. Was there a moment that that you said, "Oh, I made it"? Was there a kick that you made in, ex in an exhibition game, or you, or uh, you, you know, some, did a coach come up to you uh, during camp and say, "You know, you 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 got the you got the spot here, kid"? I never had that moment. Um, I almost had the opposite moment because by the third preseason game, Jimmy and I were battling for the job, and we went to play Minnesota, and we were to alternate kicks. I would kick one, Jimmy took the next one, and. In the first quarter, we went out for a 50-yard field goal. And I remember running out there in the Metrodome, and I was thinking, boy, it's been awful nice. I got to be in an NFL camp for a couple of weeks and, you know, experience this. And by some miracle, I hit that 50. I went and kicked off. When I came to the sideline, the coaches said, Jimmy's not alternating with you anymore. You're kicking the rest of the kicks. Oh, wow. So, that must have been something. Uh, yeah. Did they? Do you think they had any trepidations about um, bringing on a barefooted kicker? I know they had Tony Franklin before you, but. Uh, did they, you think that paved the way for you? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they had any trepidations because they had a barefoot kicker the previous five years in Tony. I think their trepidations was a young guy because, you know, I even then uh, they released Jim, uh, um, Jimmy Asmus. I kicked alone in the last preseason game, but I read the paper. We all read the paper. And they were talking to a lot of kickers who were out there on the waiver wire. So I didn't know if they were going to go with this young rookie or maybe bring in one of these veteran guys, but they took a gamble on me that year. What did you consider your strength? Were you kind of a, were you a long hitter or were you more of a consistent straight down the fairway? I'm, I'm using a golf analogy, obviously. <laughs> I, I would say based on our earlier conversation, I, I, my consistency was my strength when it was there. <laughs> do you do you think that the kicking today, the kickers today uh, seem to have uh, longer range uh, the, than back in the eighties when you were playing. Is that because of training or have they changed anything that, that uh, has improved the kicking on a whole? The the kickers today are unbelievable. They're phenomenal. I know like, like uh, the guy from Baltimore is just uh, Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is incredible. And some of these other guys, you just, it's incredible how long they, Brandy McManus from Denver, he boots the ball. They're strong. They're accurate. Uh, scoring should be precious. And it's really not precious when it comes to NFL kickers anymore. Their percentages are through the roof. I, I have an opinion there that uh, I was a big advocate of moving the extra point back because that was ridiculous. I mean, nobody missed the extra points. Right. It's an issue again sometimes, particularly in the bad conditions. It's cold. It's windy. Um, you know, at least there's a little bit of uh, a doubt there. I believe they need to narrow the post to 15 feet. You know, the back in the day, the posts were at 24 feet. They're now at 18 feet six. Well, these kids are too good. I think they need to narrow the post to 15 feet to bring a little bit of element of, uh, of chance back to the field goal. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's, it's they're, they're signed automatic, and I don't like to see the guy come out and try to, you know, hit a 60-yard field goal. I think this should be some, some – some, uh, doubt in there you know some of these guys come out and you're like oh he's gonna hit this thing and i don't know even last last night at the in the patriots game he he hit the 49 yarder and it, it hit the crossbar which <laughs> was something folk from the patriots they're, they're automatic at 50 i mean in my day you hit a 50 it's like oh wow that made the papers you made a 50 these guys ah oh, they made a 50 oh ho hum so do you uh, remember do you remember your longest kick your longest field goal yeah, it was a 54 in Atlanta, and I remember it because it was a 49 that I made, and we had a procedure penalty, and they moved us back five, so I was not a happy camper, uh, but hit that 54 after that penalty. Was that kind of your range, your max range? 
Yeah, I had tried a few longer and uh, yeah, I, I would say mid fifties in the right conditions was my max range. We're speaking with Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL. He played with the Philadelphia Eagles from 1984 to 87, the New York Giants from 1988, and the Atlanta Falcons in 1989. He was the 1984 UPI NFC Rookie of the Year. He had 30 field goals in his rookie year. He was a barefooted kicker, guys, which is I still I still can't comprehend it. I go on the beach in my my uh, bare feet and I I stub my toe. So I don't know how you do it, Paul, how you did it. Um, Were there any uh, stadiums that you enjoyed kicking in? Um, Did you have a favorite place to to kick? Any dome. Any dome. Did did it matter between uh, turf and grass? Absolutely. Uh, Back to your golf analogy, Jeff. I mean, the grass was like kicking out of the rough. Turf was carpet. I mean, you're on the green. It was real nice surface and you could get a good hit at the ball. So uh, any dome I liked. I did play for the Giants for a year in the Meadowlands, the windiest place in the world. It was very challenging to kick there. Yeah, it, it is called the Meadowlands. It's in the middle of a meadow. Um, so no, it's one of the reasons I went to Atlanta. Uh, you know, I was a, a free agent, and I wanted to get out of the Meadowlands. It was just too difficult to kick there. Did um, you know they always said, and I, you know, this is kind of back to that that Red Hour back of, of get it get in the opponent's head. They always said they used to play around with the, the doors and in, in giant stadium to make the, the wind change when their kicker and the opposing kicker. Was that true? Or is that just, just, just say? I've, I've heard the legend. I can't say it's true. Whether the doors were open or not, that doggone place was windy as heck. So I don't know if the doors even needed to be open. Well, I mean, you, you kicked in the vet. The vet was no, no picnic either. Right. The vet could be tricky. Yeah. The vet could be real tricky in, in new England, kicked up in new England a few times and that was windy. How about Denver? Did, was, did the ball travel better in Denver? You know, I never honestly? played Denver. I played against Denver, but it was in Philadelphia, so I didn't okay. experience that. Do you have a, a memorable kick, some, uh, uh, the, the kind of um, uh, kick that you used, you really harken back to, like, oh, I remember that one when, when that kick beat so-and-so or, or you know, something that uh, kind of a, a, a weird circumstance or a kick that really kind of is still in your memory? You know, it's funny because because I, I attempted 10 game winners in my career. I made seven of them. I remember the three I missed a lot more than seven. I yeah, missed. I'm sure. You know, I made a, a with the Giants on a Sunday night ESPN game. We beat the Saints down in the in the in the uh, Superdome with with a kick. I always remember that one. And my last kick of my career was a 50 yarder when I was with uh, the Falcons to beat the Bills. And I certainly always remember that kick, too. So, yeah, those game winners, they they stand out in your mind. What led to you retiring? Because you, you, you know, you retired at a fairly young age. Did did uh, it just kind of you you wanted to move on, or was there something that led to your retiring after playing with the Falcons in '89? No, heck, Jeff, I would have stayed. Uh, the game after that fifty that week in practice, I was having some trouble with my leg, and they limited my kicking. And then we went to play the Niners, and in warmups, I tore my quadriceps really bad. Thought I'd be able to recover for it, and came back and tried in training camp the next year, and. I just didn't have the same stuff. And then Yeah, you lost the power. Yeah, and I just wasn't the same kicker I was before. So, uh, you know, a good story there. Frank Gantz was my special team coach in Philadelphia my first two years. I revered Coach Gantz. And uh, even though I was injured, teams were still giving me a tryout, but it just wasn't working. And Coach Gantz called. He was in Detroit at that time. And he said, would you come? I said, I will, Coach. I said, but you've got to be honest with me after I kick if you think it's time, you know. So I went and I kicked warmed up in the silver dome kicked just coach Gantz and I and then I went and showered up went up to his office and 
he was a great man. And he said, Paul, I think it's time for you to move on with your life. So that really helped me out. You know, I always, when I talk to uh, pitchers, they always want to talk about their hitting. You know, they, I don't want to talk about pitching. I want to talk about the time I, I got a double or I hit a home run. <laughs> As a kicker, is there a time where you made a tackle? You know, they're like, oh, I, got, I really got that guy good. I was credited with one tackle in my career. It was against the Rams. And it's really because the guy had no other options but to run me over rather than take on <laughs> I my- know you were only 160 pounds soaking wet. So you I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten in front of anybody. <laughs> but you know my trouble, Jeff. I, I couldn't touch the guys. The few times they came around me, they were so quick and elusive. I mean, I would jump and try, but I didn't even touch them. If it was flag, I couldn't have knocked them down. They're just those guys are quick and they're good athletes. That's funny. Well, we're talking with Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL as a place kicker. He uh, played for the Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, and Atlanta Falcons. He was the 1984 UPI NFC Rookie of the Year. He kicked 30 field goals in his rookie season, which is is, is a great uh, accomplishment. He also was a barefoot kicker. We're talking to him about his career. I'm going to talk a little collectibles now, Paul. Paul, did you um, save any memorabilia from your playing days? Did you get any game balls or did you get any, you have any uniforms from your playing days? I have game balls. I have uniforms and something I'm hanging on to for my grandkids. Later in my career, I always had a, a wacky thing, Jeff. I wore wristbands, but I wore them like up on my forearm. For any reason or you just, you were just trying to style? I just thought I was hot looking. <laughs> it had no functional reason. No, there's no reason for it. But uh, my last few years, each game, I would grab a new pair. And I had a little garbage bag under my stool in my locker. And I'd, if I wore them in a game, I'd throw those two in. Then the next game, I'd wear another pair. Well, I have that garbage bag at home, probably with about 30 sets of wristbands that I wore in games. And when my sons have grandkids, they're going to get those wristbands. That's awesome. How about, did you keep any helmets or any uh, uniforms? Uh, I have helmets. I have my uniforms and I have several game balls that I was honored to. to. Nice. How Did you collect any autographs from any of your teammates or uh, any of your opponents? I don't have autographs. No, no, I did not. Did not have that. Were you a card collector as a kid? Did you collect baseball cards and, and football cards as a kid? I did, but I'm one of those people that didn't keep them. So I don't know where they are. Tragically, <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah, I had. Like Gaylord Perry just passed away. I know I had a Gaylord Perry card, but uh, I, I was a knucklehead. I didn't keep it. Now, did you, um, I, I ask this to everyone, and I always get the same answer, right? When you were playing, did you ever just go to a, a supermarket or grocery store and buy a couple packs of cards to get your your, your card in, in a pack? I I did. You my, did. You're the first person, Paul. Everyone I asked was like, "No, no, I never did that." <laughs> no, my mom did most of that. I think she had all the Paul McFadden cards. But I, but I did have fun. Uh, McDonald's had a promotion once where they had cards. Yep. And uh, I went to McDonald's and um, with Ron Jaworski, dear friend of mine, and we're standing next to each other in line. I get my order, and I mean, the whole restaurant is like, "Ron Jaworski's here. Ron Jaworski's here." You know. And, well, I happened to get a Jaworski card. Well, I was a jerk. I was like, oh, I got a Jaworski card. He stinks. Why would I want a Jaworski card? He's standing right next to me. And everybody in the restaurant is like, oh, my gosh. So That's funny. Do you get many autograph requests through the mail? I do. I do. And it's always a thrill and it's an honor. And I always make sure that I write a note to that person because I, I greatly appreciate someone sending the card. And it's, it's an honor to sign the card. Do you have a favorite card from your playing days? Is there a card that you enjoy signing? Uh, I mean, I, I'm honored to have all of them. I guess my rookie card will always be a little sentimentally favorite because that was the one you had to climb the mountain to to get in the league. So, 
Yeah. What was your What was your thought seeing yourself on a, on a card? Was that that must have been surreal? It was surreal. It was it was unbelievable and, and sincerely, I can't believe how many cards my mom acquired. I mean, she must have been going broke buying. <laughs> the, a proud mom. My cards. <laughs> do you keep in touch with any of your former teammates? I sure do. Yeah, Ron Jaworski is also a Youngstown State alum, uh, so I'm very close with Ron. John Telchik, who punted, uh, we punted together. Uh, or he punted with the Eagles. Uh, Maury Buford, who we we played together in New York. Uh, yeah, stay in touch with a lot of the guys. Yes. Are um, you surprised how the NFL has grown since you played? I mean, it's it's a it's really a different league from when you guys were playing in the '80s to today in terms of the popularity and the money involved and, and uh, you know all the 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 attention that that the players get. Is are you surprised how 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 it's grown over the last twenty or thirty years? Uh, I don't know, surprised, amazed, and give credit to the owners and those who are marketing the product. And, uh, you know, how about just this past Thanksgiving? They said the Giants-Cowboys uh, game had, like, the highest viewership ever for a Thanksgiving Day game. Yeah. They're doing a great job stewarding the league and taking care of the league. And uh, fortunately, the league has very loyal and passionate fans, and that's what drives the engine, the fans, so. Uh, do you get any um, anything neat that people send to you to sign? Any old pictures that you never hadn't seen before, or anything that that you're like, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> yeah, and I copy them. So yeah. you do good. Yeah, I've received some photos. I'm like, where the heck did this photo come from? That's awesome. So I copy it and then I sign it and send it back. <laughs> well, that that's very good. Thank you, Paul. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL. He played with the Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, and Atlanta Falcons. You played with a lot of. Uh, great players in terms of you know reggie whites and lawrence taylors and, and a, a lot of great players uh was there anyone that that that, you, that just kind of when you saw them on the field just like their their physical gifts to amazed you reggie white yes i mean a lot of those guys i mean lt was amazing but uh i'll never forget on 40 yard dash day i don't know why they had me run a 40 yard dash <laughs> you're like the last guy you like running now so I run like a 5-0, and then Reggie gets up there, and he weighs 290 pounds, and he ran a 4-6. I was like, oh, my. I'd rather get hit by a car. At least the car's not aiming. I know. I mean, I've, I've, I've sat, I've stood next to LT, and I would not want to get hit by that guy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. LT was on field goal with me. He he was the wing protecting me, so I felt good. I was like, well, they got to get <laughs> LT to get to me. I'm in good shape here. So, Do you think we're going to see a barefooted kicker ever again? Wow. Wouldn't surprise me, yes. Wouldn't surprise me, no. Um, wouldn't shock me if we saw a barefooter, absolutely. Yeah. Does anyone in college, does anyone try it? It's kind of like the underhand uh, free throw in basketball. You know, it's, it was effective, but no one does it anymore. Now, there have been a couple college kids, and my eldest son kicked her at Youngstown State, and he toyed with it. He kicked a few games barefoot, but then went back to the shoe. I've seen some kids at other schools kicking barefoot, but uh, we'll see. Did you have any superstitions when you were playing? Like, oh, I have to wear this because <laughs> it's it's my lucky whatever. Or did you have any superstitions before you kicked a, a field goal? No, in fact, I actually, I, I very demonstratively went against superstitions because I didn't want to believe in that. So like if somebody would say to me, I noticed you did this, it must be a superstition. I would purposely not do it the next time because I'm like, no, I have no superstitions. This just comes down to my ability. I, I don't have any, you know, wishbones in my sock or nothing. No, it's, it's, this is just my ability. No superstitions. 
Uh, on the college level, I don't think they respect kickers still. I mean, they, they don't seem to offer as many scholarships for kickers. Every time I hear a kid they watch a game, it's this kid was a walk-on. Uh, <laughs> How do we change that? So, so again, personal experience. I'm very proud of my youngest son who just finished his career here. He had a 55-yard field goal his senior year in high school, the second longest field goal in the nation. Wow. And all he had was preferred walk-ons everywhere. Yep. Kickers are a gamble. I mean, how many kids were a superstar in high school and they totally wash out in college? Uh, I know I, I shouldn't say this, but I don't blame the coaches. If I was a coach, I'd offer preferred walk-on. If they perform, I'd give them a scholarship because kickers are just, they're a gamble. They're a big gamble. Is it, uh, do you think because of, um, you know, kids have been playing soccer since now the seventies, do you think that's led to more, more and better kickers in the NFL? Absolutely, no question. No question. Um, is there uh, anything anything that they can do to make, you know, we talked about the, the goalposts, the width of the goalposts. Um, is there any other rules that they can implement to make uh, kicking better for in the, on the NFL level? No, not that I can think of. I mean, you know, they took away the T right before I came yeah. to the league, which is a big change, and that was the right thing to do. I don't see anything else they can do to make the kick more difficult other than narrowing the goalpost. Did you have any uh, heroes or any people, anyone that, that mentored you uh, when you were in high school into college? Is anyone that you kind of looked up to and thought, hey, I'm going to emulate this guy? I wore Matt Barr's number because I wore number nine in college because I really thought he was great. But the person I credit with my career, just lucky, is when I went to Philadelphia, Frank Gantz was a special team coach. And he was the right guy at the right time, not only to impact my kicking career, but my life. Frank Gantz really had a huge impact on me. You know, I always wondered this, um, is, you know, let's get back to the golf analogy. You know, the golfers, they get on the putting green and they putt thousands and thousands of putts. Is that the same for the kicker in terms of, uh, you know, you're practicing all, all in different conditions and uh, different kicks. So when you get out there, it's just kind of uh, me muscle memory for you. Yeah, muscle memory, a repetitious task. Yes. The older you get, though, I would say uh, I didn't kick as much. You're getting older. Your body's not as uh, able to deal with all that wear and tear as much. But when you're young, I tell kids, you got to kick. They're like, I want to go to the weight room. I'm like, that's fine. You got to go to the weight room, but you got to kick. You got to get in reps. You got to develop that muscle memory. Uh, later in your career, these NFL guys like a Justin Tucker, I wonder how many balls he hits a week. Probably not a whole lot because right. he has the muscle memory down. We're speaking with Paul McFadden. Paul McFadden played six seasons in the NFL. He played with the Philadelphia Eagles from 1984 to 1987, the New York Giants to 1988, and the Atlanta Falcons in 1989. He was the 1984 UPI NFC Rookie of the Year. He was a barefooted kicker. He was uh, went to Youngstown State, Ohio University. He was the uh, drafted in the 12th round, the third 312th pick by the Philadelphia Eagles, and he made the team. He is currently president of the Youngstown State University Foundation. What do you? What are some of the tax tax tasks? I get that tasks you, you do for for uh, the university. Uh, I'm honored to be back at my alma mater. We're the fundraising arm of our university, so we do all the fundraising and we're the endowments. Uh, we hold the endowment for our university also. So it's been an honor to be here, Jeff, back at YSU and and making a difference for our current students and our future students. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time, Paul. I really appreciate it. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you. You know, you know, I have a soft spot for kickers, so I love, I love, I love talking to you guys. You guys are the best. Uh, I really appreciate the insight, and, and uh, I appreciate you signing cards to the mail guys. 
Uh, Mr. McFadden is a great signer through the mail through TTM. So if you have a card you want to send off to Paul or a picture, he will gladly sign it. Uh, Paul, anything else you want to say before I let you go? I thank you for being on the show and, and kickers need any friends we should get. <laughs> so thank you very much for being so kind to the kickers. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great holiday season and I'm sure we'll be in touch. You too. Thank you. Drew, another one in the books. Another yep, one get, in the books, my friend. We are close to the end of the year. Wow. I know 50, 50 episodes. I got, I got to go back and see how many episodes you've been on. I bet you're close to uh, 80 or 90 now, don't you think? I would think so. Cause I mean, I came in middle of last year, so that's got to be, you know, 25, 30 from there. Plus, you know, 50 some this year and then two from uh, before that. So yeah. Yeah. You're a veteran. You're a, you're an official veteran now. You're going <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. you're going to hit the hundred mark no, ne, early next year. I think. Yeah, I think Very so. Cool. Well, we'll, I want to thank everyone for, for listening. We, uh, I want to wish everyone a great uh, Hanukkah and Christmas and Kwanzaa. I want to thank Paul McFadden for joining me. It was great to talk kicking and, and learn about his career. I want to thank Mark LeMay and George Scott III from TGA, T, TGA Grading, TGACards.com for joining me. We have a cool uh, giveaway this week, right, Drew? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're giving away three card grade packages so there's gonna be three cards you get graded and we're gonna give away three packages you're gonna get three cards graded from tga not gonna cost you a nickel all you have to do is register send an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com put tga uh in the the subject line and uh we're gonna pick those winners next week so be a nice christmas present for somebody yeah speaking of christmas and the holidays we have our TTM cast, give a card, get a card for the holidays. The worst named promotion, but a great promotion. Guys, it's really easy. All you have to do is send me one autograph card, send me a second autograph card, send me in, uh, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. You're going to receive an autograph card back from a, another collector. And we're going to send one card off to signatures for soldiers to earn money for wounded veterans. And we're going to run this through all the way through the end of the year. So you can do it as many times as you want, as often you want. Send it to, uh, go to ttmcast.com. All the information's there, including my mailing address. Get your cards off this week. Get them off before the holiday because I'm going to try starting to send them out uh, the week after. The week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm going to start trying to send some of the, the cards out that I've got already. But I was trying to hope, hoping to get as many cards as I got before. So I had a lot of different cards to choose from. So guys, give a card, get a card for the holidays. Send one autograph card to me. Send another second autograph card. We're going to send to signatures to soldiers to earn money for wounded veterans. And you're going to receive a card back from another collector. We're going to do this through the end of the year. Go to ttmcast.com. All right, Drew, I think we got it all right. We thanks so. everyone. We got give a card, get a card. We got register for the TGA. I think we got everything. Next week, we have Paul Kaufman from the Green Bay Packers. He was a Pro Bowl tight end. We're going to talk to paul about his career we also have sal barry right we're going to talk a little yep. hockey collectibles with sal barry uh we'll probably have oh well we will have clemente lise on to wrap up all the um world cup stuff i don't know well so we, we might we might have a couple surprises in there as well it's, it's christmas we are drew, drew and i will be running our regular show christmas week and new year's week we're going to have rich miller from sports collectors daily on the last week we're going to wrap up the year and kind of review the year and talk about everything that's been going on in the hobby uh through the whole year and then we have all sorts of cool stuff planned for next year uh well so it's a guest plan next year so we have a lot of stuff i want to thank you guys I want to wish everyone a happy 
Hanukkah. All our Jewish friends, happy Hanukkah. Um, this week, I think Hanukkah starts uh, uh, tomorrow on Sunday. Yep. And then hopefully you get all your Christmas shopping done. Drew, anything else before I let you go? I think we've got it pretty well covered on there. So yeah, I think we're good. Drew, another marathon uh, episode. We just keep <laughs> talking. You and I just keep talking. Guys, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. You guys have a great week. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.